Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Real Talk Podcast, episode 41. I am joined alongside my beautiful co-hosts, Tyler and Seth. We do have the absence of Cam again this week. He's got another wedding. Um, but to Cam, happy Father's Day. I hope you're enjoying your first Father's Day with uh, with Emma and Bailey. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Of course, we are recording this on Father's Day, so uh, it might sound weird when you hear it tomorrow, but whatever. Um, as always, uh, we have dropped our merch. Um, the support has been uh, fucking unbelievable. Uh, you guys have been tweeting at us like crazy, telling us that, you know, the, the, the quality is great. The designs are great. Your, your fits are devious as, as we want to see. So we're really happy with, uh, with the success of the first, uh, what are we, three, two, three weeks into merch now. So we're really happy with, with what the success is looking like there. We're really happy that you guys are, are supporting us. We also obviously are on Patreon. We've updated our tiers recently. So if you haven't checked that out, check it out. We've, we've made the tiers a little more advantageous to you guys, a little more appealing if you're not a patron yet to check them out. Um, uh, we are also all over social media, um, as always, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, give us a follow and a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. All those, uh, all that support obviously helps us grow like crazy, which is which is our goal right now, just to just to get this podcast out to as many uh, eyes and ears as possible. We got a pretty packed episode for you today. Um, we are expecting this to be one of our longest episodes. This was a crazy week of new releases, and uh, and we all kind of grinded to see as many of them as possible. We got our Flash review, Past Lives, Extraction 2, Elemental, The Blackening. Uh, we'll run through Black Mirror Season 6 very quickly. We also got um, some news. Netflix's To Dumb dropped. Um, I was a bit underwhelmed by To Dumb, but there are still some, uh, some pretty big highlights that we want to talk about. Um, and of course, just our normal movie news. And then we are wrapping up with a draft of movies that give us a... Pers- I don't even know how to title this draft. Movies that give us a perspective on life. Movies that make us question our purpose in life. Shit like that. When, when we get to the draft and you see what movies we draft, you'll, you'll kind of get a better understanding uh, of what the idea of the draft was. Um, but let's get into the episode. Gentlemen, Seth, I want to start with you. Obviously, you saw Hans Zimmer, and I'm really fucking jealous. You still haven't sent me a video. Oh, How, was yeah. How was the rest of your week? Yeah, man, just a really busy, busy week. Um, yeah, you Wednesday, were back and forth a ton from London this week. Yeah, right? Wednesday went to London. Um, went to go and see The Flash in IMAX, which was interesting. And then <laughs> went to an after party. And usually, like these after parties with the you know the early screen well not early screens for that but screen stuff they don't really put this they put a lot into this after party which was great um i'm not one for going out and drinking a lot i don't want to say i drank a lot but it was it was it was nice to see everyone um met a few people who i'm familiar with online and stuff like that uh, met some other tiktokers which was great uh met loads of people it was it was quite overwhelming and um yeah that was a really really good night really really good night i enjoyed that a lot um then Thursday went home. Friday went back to Manchester. Went to see Hans Zimmer, which was just fantastic. Uh, it was better than I expected it to. It was, it was, um, it was so good. And he, I think he did all of his big ones. Like, does think. he go? Does he go in order? Like, does he play no. like 
three songs no. from Dune, three songs from Batman, or does he shuffle around? So oh, okay. we'll go from like Dune to Pirates to Dune to Batman to he, Lion King. He usually he did a couple of mixes. Okay. The majority of the time we're in order. So I think he started with like I think he started with Wonder Woman, actually, interesting enough, which I haven't oh. seen, so I don't fucking know that one. <laughs> uh he most of the big ones are in the second half. There was like two halves of it, whatever. And he, like he did like the Dark Knight, he did Dark Knight, he did Interstellar, he did Dune, he did Inception, he did Gladiator and Pirates of the Caribbean were in the first half and they were just unbelievable. My favorite by far was um either Dune or Time. He actually finished off and everyone was like, I was a bit disappointed because he didn't do time. And then he came back five minutes later and did time. And I was like, okay. He's got to do time. Yeah, he knew everyone was waiting for time. <laughs> if I um, went to a Hans Zimmer concert and he didn't play time, I would request a refund immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, honestly, the band is just, it's, it's just such an amazing experience. And he really makes it very, very enjoyable. And he has like a really good personality as well. But Dune was just, what's the main one called? Is it Paul's Dream or something like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Paul's Dream or Armada, I feel it would be the two that I was, play. I was watching it and I felt like I was looking at myself. I was just floating. Is there, is there like a background that like plays clips from the movie while he plays the music? Not really. There was a cut. I think, I think I had that for Top Gun actually. Maverick. Okay. Oh, I but forgot. Not, not most of the time. Maverick. He'd like... Okay. He would be speaking in the middle of the two and then saying, introducing his, his bandmates and saying, this is the one who did, who sung Gladiator. Okay. And then they'd move on to Gladiator. He'd like transition. He'd say what he was going to do. Um, and he did like Dunkirk. What did he, what did he open with? So he opened with Wonder Woman, I think. Okay. Interesting. Well, That's was, an interesting uh, opening track. I think it, no, it was, I think he might have done a bit of Blade Run, if I'm not mistaken. And then he did Wonder Woman, but most of most of the huge ones were in the second half. Like the Dark Knight was crazy, man. I believe it. Like it was crazy, <laughs> and just Dune was just oh my god! It was, <laughs> and Anna loved it as well, which was nice. Um, I'm so and, jealous. I'm so annoyed he doesn't tour in the in the um, United States. Yeah, I, I didn't know that to be honest. Like I, I think he even even he if he there. like yeah. he lives in New York. What in what? Well, he lives in LA. I thought he'd go around oh, in like US. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even if he doesn't play in New York, if he played in like Chicago or LA, I would fly for sure. Without it, a doubt. It wasn't even that expensive, you know, compared to the other concerts yeah. and stuff like that. It wasn't that bad. That's very um, It was packed, like full, full house, crazy. Everyone went mad for him. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, the great, that's the greatest yeah. of all time. It, it was just one of the best nights I've had in years. And then on Saturday, I went back up to London. Kind of went around Camden again, around the markets again, like I did a few weeks ago. We went to see my first ever West End show, so I went to see Les Mis. How was that? It was good. Like, it was really, really good. I I will admit, the last 20 minutes, I was a bit falling asleep because I had, like, <laughs> no sleep. But I, I was told that Les Mis is one of those – it's one of the longer shows. It's, like, 2 hours 40, which is quite long. That's brutal. Yeah. But, the the you know, the main songs – yeah. The mains, they were great. Like they were really good. And the the overall it's one of the best ones of the West End. That was that was actually really, really interesting. Um and then last night I tried to watch UFC. I stayed up to one in the morning and I was like <laughs> I, if you've not if you're not watching if you listen to the audio right now, I'm closing my eyes. It was I was just fucked. <laughs> Went to see last night, woke up this morning, watched UFC, watched Extraction 2, which we'll go over and obviously watch Flash, which I'll mention as well. But yeah, really really busy week and i feel just dead but it's been a great week great week yeah, and you got you got to wrap up your week with probably the longest real talk episode we're gonna record 
Yeah. That's Tyler. fine. I like, I like doing real talk. Who cares? Who doesn't, man? Tyler, how was your week? Uh, it's been a good week. It was my first week at the new job. Um, so my last job that I had, like I was so bored all the time. Like I had barely any work, but I would have to go into the office every day. So I'd have to drive like an hour there, an hour back. And then I just sit at my desk and twiddle my thumbs for most of the day. Whereas this, I don't have the drive anymore, which is super nice because remote, but much more busy. Like it's packed. So honestly, like I feel like I have like less free time almost with this job, which doesn't make sense because I have two hours less of like my day wasted from driving and I'm at home instead of in the office. But at least the first week's been hectic, just pretty much packed with meetings and packed with learning the new team and learning the new stuff I'm doing. So been pretty stressful, but in a good way. I like I like my team and it's fun. So uh, solid first week of work. And uh, yeah, other than that, just been doing stuff around the house, working on random stuff here and there and seeing movies, kind of the same old, same old, pretty standard personal life week, but big week of like career wise stuff. So yeah, no complaints. Uh, excited to do this real talk and discuss with the boys on this father's day all the movies we had to see this week <laughs> yeah for real. Uh, my week was fine uh same i guess as tyler pretty standard personal week um i, I didn't really uh do much i did uh believe it or not when i saw uh on thursday elemental and the blackening back to back that was only my second double feature ever and i've only done one I've yeah. ever wow. yeah, Well, yeah. I feel like Tyler does a triple feature once a week, so I feel like I'm so no, like, he, far he's on the quad. Yeah. He's on the quad, the quad, the quad was a beast, but yeah, double features are like very standard, very standard for me. Double features. Yeah, the double feature was nice. I uh, I, I watched the blackening first, and then I had like 45 minutes until Elemental, so I just walked around Times Square a little bit, which is just a horrific idea. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Just so ass, man. Times Square. So, Seth, you would hate Times Square. Well, I don't like walking around Leicester Square, which is probably a smaller version of Times Bro, Square. So uh, packed. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's misery. Um, but, yeah, my week was pretty standard. Just another week of work. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm, like, what, almost three months into the new job. So I'm pretty settled. Um, but, you know, work is still a bit stressful. But watched a lot of movies this week that we're going to talk about. Went home Friday night. Yesterday, had a little Father's Day barbecue at Victoria's house, which was very nice. Um, and then I came back to the city last night, and now now we're here recording Real Talk. So let's get into it, because like I said, we got six things to review. We're going to go through The Flash. We're going to go through Past Lives. We're going to go through Extraction 2, Elemental, The Blackening, and then we will touch on Black Mirror Season 6 a little, uh, maybe not briefly, but not probably as in-depth as we're going to go into like The Flash and Past Lives. So... Let's start with the biggest release of the week, and that was The Flash. Um, Andy Muschietti's uh, DCU, we'll call it reboot film. Um, this is officially, I think, the last. I always mix this up, and I wish Cam were here because I know he's more in tune with like what James Gunn says on Twitter. But either The Flash or Blue Beetle is the official final movie of like the DCEU. Um, I'm pretty sure it's The Flash, and Blue Beetle is going to be the first movie of the DCU. So this is Aquaman this is 2 the, erasure. Yeah, this is the Aquaman 2 erasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's just get into the flash. Um, I will start with, we'll start with Seth. He was the lowest on it uh, uh, from all of us. I believe he gave it a two and a half. Cam and I both gave it a four and Tyler went with a three. So we'll start with Seth. Seth, give us your just quick non-spoiler thoughts before we get into the spoiler section of the review. 
Yeah, so I didn't I didn't hate it. I think it was interesting. I think there was I don't think it was a necessarily bad film. I think it had aspects that were good, but I also think it had aspects for me that I, I didn't like at all. Um I think I think the flash struggles tonally. And I think it, it struggles to maintain a consistent tone throughout the emotional and comedic scenes. I will say some of the comedy actually works for me, which is surprising. Um, Ezra Miller is, uh, obviously, as we know, not a great person. I mean, I think we have to kind of say that. But they, they did do a, a pretty a pretty, pretty okay job as, as, as The Flash. I thought they were pretty good. Um, as The Flashpoint Paradox, I don't really know much about it. I haven't seen The Flash anything before. I haven't seen the... Um, the show or the is there a really good animated film very good animated film yes okay yeah yeah i just i found it i found this film to be evident that this was in a time crunch that this was delayed we speak about the elephant in the room you know the, the effects were terrible for the most part and he can Andy shake and say that you know they were deliberate all he wants they weren't that was such a um, funny comment of him to me <laughs> it's like yeah it's crazy i if he, if he had said that like months before the movie was released i would have been like okay maybe it'd still be a weird cause it would still like be weird but the fact that he said it like after twitter exploded with like shitty cgi comments just makes it so because he's acknowledging that the cgi is shitty and he's trying to give us like a the worst excuse possible as to why it was shitty yeah i uh i didn't really so the cameos are also one that's been going around on Twitter is very controversial. Obviously, they used um, deceased actors. It's a weird one. I, I, I've I said my opinion on cameos before. I do think cameos kind of, for me, and I know why people like cameos, and that's perfectly fine. Like, for example, I quite like Tobey Maguire in um, No Way Home. But it kind of gets to the point where I just become so tired of them because a film will use the excuse of cameos to be lazy with the writing just so you can you know they can get the viewers to be surprised by a cameo of a character they liked in the past such as um well i won't go into yeah. yet because i think that good catch, cameo. Good catch. Yeah. Good yeah, catch. Great catch. Um, i just think that they use them as an excuse to be kind of lazy i don't think i, I obviously we'll go into this we won't suppose i don't think the ending the ending was just not good for me anyway i know people like the ending but i just didn't think it made any sense I, I just think it was overall a pretty lazy and underwhelming project. However, that's not to say there weren't you know good points. And I think it was quite funny. You know, the writers uh, who obviously wrote um, Game Night and, and Dungeons and Dragons comedy. That comedy is going to work for me. It just will because I, I thought Game Night was hilarious or Dungeons and Dragons was hilarious. And I think this is hilarious. But I thought you know they're clearly skilled comedic writers, and you can tell that with, with some of the witty you know dialogue and screenplay. Um, and I thought some of the sequences were cool, you know, with when I, with Ben Affleck's Batman. Of my my first experience with Ben Affleck's Batman, I haven't seen any of the films. I, I thought he was quite cool. Um, I think most of it we kind of have to go into spoilers because I want to say stuff about yeah. the cameo, stuff about the ending. But I'll, I'll well, kind of yeah. finish it. I'm like down the middle. I didn't hate it. Didn't yeah. like. It, just down the middle. Tyler, spoiler-free thoughts. Yeah, I'm at a three star on this, and it, it, this is a tough movie for me to rate because there's a lot I really didn't like about it. the CGI. I thought was just like unacceptably bad. And I get what Andy machete is like trying to say, cause I feel like what he's thinking is when everyone was complaining about the CGI being bad and he's like, Oh, it's from the flash's perspective. I feel like he was thinking we only were complaining about 
when he was in that, you know, like circular area where you see yeah. all the different universes, the which like I get, yeah. I get that. Like that, that didn't bother me, but I'm like talking like all the fight sequences, like all the super speed, see, like everything, the CGI. Looked the bad. end sequence for me. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Well, the whole first act, I really didn't like either the whole, you know, everything that goes on in the first act. I just was like, this wasn't, it wasn't pulling me into the movie whatsoever, but you know, Seth already said the caveat as Miller is not a great person. But they really did do great. Like I truly have no issues with their performance. That they they had to carry the movie for most of it. It was Ezra Miller carrying this movie. The trailers and all the discussion before it would make you think, and all the posters and promotional material make you think Batman is like just as big as a part of this as the Flash. Which Batman's big in this, but me, I've seen the Flashpoint paradox like George has. So obviously that's like integral to that story. But I think the Flash was this was a true flash movie. In my opinion, I feel like that there was so much about the family aspect, the two Ezra Millers. I was like a whole like hour of the movie was just them working together. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really thought they did a great job and I was r- truly surprised by how much I liked their performance because I really liked them in the Stanford prison experiment. Didn't love their performance in person being a wallflower is like my least favorite part of the movie is their the performance. Stanford prison experiment. Yeah, great movie. Uh, I, I, really I don't it. remember as a movie. I think you would like that movie yeah. a great deal. Yeah. No, I've seen it. Oh, you've seen, seen it? it. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. They're like the main, ago, the main villain or like the main prison yeah. guard. That. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah interesting. But, um, yeah. yeah, the family message really worked for me here. The uh, Sasha Kaye I thought was super wasted. I just didn't think we got much of her at all. And what we did get of her was yeah. super thinly written. And based on the promotional material, I thought we would have got a lot more of her. Um, Michael Keaton was fine. I think a lot of people really, really loved Michael Keaton's, you know, Batman in 1989 and the Batman, Batman Returns was his second one, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of nostalgia I've never actually there. heard your thoughts on the... Do you like the original Batman? Well, not the original, but the... Um, 1989. Yeah. Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. I really like yeah. 1989. didn't love Batman Returns. Um, but, oh. But yeah, uh, I, thought, I thought he was fine. Um, he didn't, like, blow me away or anything, but... This is just a movie you could tell was just picked and prodded throughout the entire production process. You can see evidence throughout where it was picked apart. There's so many moments, especially in the first act, where especially Batman, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman would be like talking, but it was just clearly like the mouth just wasn't, was either CGI moving or whatever, because it just wasn't matching up with the words he was saying. Yeah. And so that looked quite bad. Um, but yeah, the, the opening act didn't really work well for me. The ending I didn't love. CGI was awful, but then again, I sat there the entire, what, two hours, 20 minutes, and I was liking my experience and had a fine time with it. I wasn't like, please end this already. I was having a good time, and yeah. as much as I hate to say it, I think a lot of that has to do with just the, the ability Ezra Miller had to carry this movie. So I'm at a three out of five. I'm very conflicted because there's so much I hate, and there's a lot I really like, but I kind of landed somewhat in the middle. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little higher than both of you. I went with four out of five stars. And that didn't go up or down uh, after my second viewing, which I was a bit surprised about, honestly. I really expected it to to, to move in. I'm, actually, I'm intrigued to know what the di- obviously you know it's what the difference was. Yeah. So yeah, so th- so for you guys, everyone listening, the reason Seth asks that is because I had seen a cut of the flash like a month ago or three weeks ago. That wasn't the official cut. Before that movie played, there was a video from Andy Muschietti that basically said, um, this is not the final version that audiences will see on June 16th. So immediately I kind of like reserved, like fully rating this movie. I gave it a four stars because that's how I felt walking out of the theater, but I truly expected it to go up or down when I had seen the final cut. There was essentially no difference between uh, the final cut 
and what I had previously seen. There was one difference. I'm sure there were some small CGI changes here and there, but I did not notice them, so they didn't really affect my viewing experience. Um, when we get into spoilers, I'll tell you what the one scene that was added into the second time I saw it. Um, but again, that one scene did not change my experience with the movie. Did it make it better or worse? Um, but yeah, the, the, the glaring issue is the CGI for me, um, particularly that baby scene. I thought that was a miserable watch. Um, I, I like the idea of it. I, I feel like every superhero movie has like that intro where they're like fighting a villain that has just nothing to do with like the overall plot. Yeah, of the movie. Yeah, it's, it's just introduce the characters, introduce the setting, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. It was a very interesting decision to make him do something as crazy as save a bunch of falling babies from a building. And it just didn't work for me. I thought it was definitely funny in showing um, like how he needs all these calories to like operate the speed force and slow down time and move faster. Uh, I, I thought that was like a cool little addition to that scene. But yeah, the CGI is the glaring issue. And there were definitely a lot of moments that, that kind of removed me from the scene. And a lot of people are like in defense of Andy Muschietti. They're like, yeah, well, if that's true that the CGI sucks because you're seeing it from Flash's perspective, then it's like, okay, so why didn't the CGI suck in the Speed Force in like Zack Snyder's Justice League? Because I think it looks fairly decent in like the the go back in time scene in Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think Zack Snyder pulled that off pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think this movie also just has a lot of fantastic character moments. Um, and I like, I hate to be that guy when talking about it, but like, I truly think if you guys had like a little more experience with flash graphic novels and flashpoint paradox stories, um, I think you would have enjoyed this a little bit more because I do think this movie does a lot right in, in, in that sense. Um, and there were just some fantastic character moments between the two Barry's between Barry, uh, and, Keaton's Bruce Wayne that that I just absolutely loved. I do agree Supergirl was underused like crazy because I do think she was one of the best parts of this movie. Um, uh, but yeah, overall, I, I went with a four out of five. The CGI didn't remove me as much as it seems to have removed everyone else, strictly because I could appreciate how daunting of a task it is to translate the Flashpoint Paradox into live action. And I think they upheld a decent story that kept me engaged throughout. Um, and yeah, we'll go into the cameos. Didn't much care for those at all. Um, and I, I kind of think they're a little disrespectful for being honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went with a four out of five. I'll wrap up my non-spoiler talk there um, because we will get into spoilers. So uh, if you haven't seen The Flash yet and you don't want it to be spoiled, I don't know, skip ahead like 20 minutes or something. Maybe maybe a little The timestamps are in the less, description as always, so you'll know exactly where to jump in. Timestamps in the description as always. Shout out to the best producer on the planet. Um, so let's just get into it. We'll start right there with the cameos. Um, and again, please just skip ahead. I'm literally about to spoil the fuck out of the cameos. So goodbye. Um, so we'll start with the cameos, obviously, because that's one thing that all three of us mentioned. Um, the Christopher Reeves cameo was brutally disrespectful. Um, and it's one of those things where, I don't know if you guys remember in Rogue One, where they had Grand Moth Tarkin, and that wasn't like him. That was basically a body double, and they like overlaid CGI to make it look like him. And I think that was done in a very respectful way, because it looked like him, it sounded like him, it acted like him. Um, this shot of Christopher Reeves, when I saw this originally in the uncut 
like in the non-final version of the flash that i saw i truly thought that was going to be like a part of the cgi that they would enhance so when i saw it again with the official cut uh of the film i was stunned that they left that as glaringly horrific in uh in the movie and then obviously we also got nick cage we got the og flash uh we got a couple of yes exactly one of the big like controversial ones i think yep um so yeah it's one of those things where it's like i i can see it like you're trying to show the multiverses coming together so why not just show all the other versions of these characters but it was just done in such like a it felt very rushed it felt like they had made this scene of all of like the those spherical multiverses coming together and then they watched this scene back and it felt like they were like oh well what can we do to just make this scene like a tiny bit more exciting for the audience members okay, let's slap Nick Cage here. Let's slap Christopher Reeves here, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, I I freaked out over Nick Cage. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I didn't. I thought that was I didn't cool, know actually. he ever played Superman. That was something I was like. He didn't. He, he never didn't. played That's, Superman. Yeah. Tim, Tim Burton was going to make a Superman movie. So there's like, gotcha. if you could, you could look it up on YouTube. There's he like, a, yeah, there's like test screenings of Nick Cage in a Superman suit. And that's it. Like it never, it was never a movie or anything. It was just a concept that just never followed through. Um, okay, that's kind of a so fun I, cameo I, then. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I thought that was a very cool cameo, but like the Christopher Reeves cameo just felt disrespectful in my mind. Um, <laughs> Seth, I'll turn it over to you. I know you're not the biggest on cameos, and I will agree with you. I think the more cameos we get in these movies, the less like appealing and cheer worthy they're going to be going forward. Like I think Andrew and Toby in no way home was great because at that point we were never like riddled with cameos left and right so it was super cool obviously seeing you know all three of our spider-men from different universes coming together but now we're just oversaturating the cameos and they're kind of like losing their appeal yeah uh i think i said matt reeves before that's not i meant uh george reeves george reeves yes i the, didn't catch that either yeah who was the um I can't remember where he came up. No, obviously he had a cameo. Yeah, I was confused. I, about that. I just, I just let it go. I was like, wait, the director of the Batman was in this? Yeah, maybe I missed it. So many, there's so many Reeves uh, in man. Jesus, chunk. Yeah. Um. So yeah, George Reeves. There's a lot of like stories about him. So obviously George Reeves, Reeves allegedly killed himself after playing the Batman, um, in the late fifties. I believe. Oh no, we're losing Seth a bit. We're, we're, we're losing Seth. Uh, due to his. Bear with. <laughs> All right. I think you're back. Give it another. Yeah, go. you're good. Sorry, I had to just. Uh, apparently, wait, hold on. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can. My internet's off. So, what was I saying? Uh, George Reeves uh, apparently George killed himself Reeves. after playing Matt Reeves. Him. No, shit. George Reeves. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so many Reeves. A chunk. Um, George Reeves. George Reeves. George Reeves. So, yeah. Um, George Reeves apparently allegedly killed himself after playing Superman uh, due to his inability to find work and his career trajectory. However, there's there's a lot of skeptics about that. There's a lot of different um, stories, scenarios, whatever, and a lot of people find that disrespectful, which I completely understand. I do think there is a disrespectful use of cameos and it's just playing this up to show a surprise for the viewer and to kind of, I don't know, man, I just don't like them. I do think the Nicolas Cage one. It's kind of fun. 
He's cutting out for you too, right? Yeah, he's starting to cut out again. Like stupid, you know, Nicholas Cage. What's not to like there? But in time, Seth, you're cutting out. Like, oh, all right, he's leaving. I'm guessing he's going to come and rejoin. But uh, just jumping yeah. in on the cameos, like, so I don't know where I land on the Christopher Reeves one. It's definitely wasn't tasteful how they did it, but. I don't. I'll reserve my judgment for the disrespectful aspect because I don't know what happened behind the scenes with Warner Brothers. Like, did he? Did they go to his his family and they gave the okay and they got like a royalty check from it and they were like, yeah, this is like acceptable. If they did that, then like, yeah, I didn't think it was tasteful. But at least like they went to the family and like got approval. So the, I don't know where it landed. Like, like for Fast and Furious users, use, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if the Fast and Furious brings out like Paul Walker. I'm giving that movie a half star. Well, like they, the did, they did for I Fast use... 7 after he died, but that's because they used his brother as the but body that's because they used his, his brother, yeah. yeah. The only reason I'm throwing out the word disrespectful is because, like, that's Christopher Reeves. People argue him to be the best Superman of all time. That's a super plausible argument. I put Henry Cavill above him, but, like, he's one of the most iconic figures in superhero media that we've ever seen, and you're bringing him back to unfinished cgi and it just felt like it was there just for like a crowd cheer worthy moment like at least buckle up the cgi a little bit i don't know it, it just felt so out of place it truly felt like they finished the entire movie and they were like where the fuck can we just stick christopher reeves like it doesn't matter what he looks like it doesn't matter if he says nothing where can we just throw him? And like, this is the return, like I said, of one of the most iconic figures in superhero media. Like some people hold him as highly as they hold Hugh Jackman in the Wolverine or Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man. Like he's up there with the greats of castings. Um, so like to bring him back after decades in like this fashion just felt so out of touch and it just felt like again disrespectful i don't know that's just how i see it like that was the one cameo that i did not freak out over just because of how poor it looked and like how in bad taste it felt no yeah i totally agree and i can totally see why it's so just dis like disrespectful and i get why everyone got upset about it like pretty lame that everyone like was tweeting it like insanely amount like it was like just everywhere over twitter like before the movie yeah came out. but i get it they're like if, it, if you're gonna be disrespectful we'll be disrespectful to your movie like i i can kind of slide with that but uh yeah do you do you yeah. want to jump into the other cameos or do you have anything else about chris chris reeves and george reeves no i'm, I'm done with chris reeves so the okay. one just to bring it up just because it's we, we were just talking about it so the one scene that um that wasn't in the original cut that I saw, that was in the second cut. So in the original cut, when Barry, at the very end of the movie, uh, Barry's on the phone with Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne's car pulls up, and you see Bruce Wayne's foot, and you don't see who it is. All you see is it cuts back to Barry, and Barry says, who the fuck are you? Uh, but we don't see who it is. And then in the final cut that I watched, obviously it's uh, George Clooney, um, which again, like I never loved George Clooney as Batman. I think he does a very fine job as Batman. I think he does a great job as Bruce Wayne. Um, so like that's another cameo I didn't freak out over. The only reason I like wasn't caught off guard, but I did think it was a cool cameo because it opens a lot of doors into like where's the DCEU going next? Like it because he's still not in his universe, you know. He, he's still fucked up the timeline. Um, obviously, the post-credit scene—he's trying to explain to Aquaman that. So, 
the only reason I enjoyed that little cut of George Clooney is because it made my mind wander like crazy. I'm like, where are we taking this franchise? Where are things going with how the flash ended? And that's why I said a week or two ago, whenever I talked about the flash, uh, I, I had mentioned that this movie does kind of set up. It does feel like a soft reboot because of the way it ended. And that was even before I knew it was George Clooney. I still said like, okay, they're hiding that man's face for a reason. It's not Ben Affleck. Um, so yeah, it was cool. I did for a second think that that would be like the big announcement on who the Batman is going to be in Brave and the Bold, um, which is why the addition of George Clooney just adds so many layers of questioning to like, where the fuck are we going with this? Uh, I don't know how you felt about the George Clooney cameo. I don't know if there's any specific topics we want to talk about with the flash. Otherwise we'll just kind of keep running through the big moments. No. Yeah. So um, welcome back, Seth. So, the George Clooney, the thing that pisses me off about his cameo is that he's like fully white hair and white beard at this point, just keeps getting older, but he still looks so damn good. And I was like, God yeah. damn it, he looks so freaking handsome. And you're like, How <laughs> are how, we still how, recording? Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's, you're like, good. it's like, how long can you just be like a good looking man? Like, I was just like, God damn. <laughs> but, but the thing is, like, I don't even know. Like, I didn't feel that like closure of like that. This is resetting the universe. I feel like if you're going to pick up the story here, like, there's still an Ezra Miller, Barry Allen floating in a universe somewhere out there. So the fact, like if you're going to recast yeah. Ezra Miller, don't really know how this movie sets you up for that. And also I, I would assume like when people were saying this is going to reset the DC universe, that it was going to be like the end of this movie was going to be like him just breaking the multiverse and everything just like shatters and just kind of like everything goes to scratch or something, which then again, you need to pick up the pieces there too. But I feel like at this point we just know that Ezra Miller is in, George Clooney's Batman universe now. So none of the other justice league that we know and love are with him, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like, or Aquaman. So how, like, so Aquaman's there, but it's George. Clooney. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. It I feels don't know like a weird works, way. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Cause like it, to, to go the route of recasting Ezra, like it would be understandable because this movie clearly establishes that like, every multiversal Barry Allen or Bruce Wayne doesn't look the exact same. Obviously you have Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton, George Clooney. They're not the same looking person. So I don't know, maybe down the line, there's a future where another Barry Allen, not Ezra Miller fucks up his timeline and ends up in James Gunn's DC universe. So I don't know. I don't know. I I've been like running through the possibilities in my head ever since I saw this movie. Um, that's why I really do like that ending of bringing George Clooney in. Not because I like the George Clooney cameo, but just because it opens so many doors and so many questions. And it's like, it's making me excited at like, okay, where are we going here? Like, how is this going to play into each other? Right. Um, and, and like, have we spoken about the ending yet? That's what we're talking about, right? Well, we're talking about that's just like the about. George Clooney ending and that kind oh, okay. of Yeah. But, um, so but we'll, like, we'll, let's, yeah, go. I was just going to say, so we knew. I don't know. There was only two possibilities for that Batman could be because everyone pre Michael Keaton is just simply too old. They couldn't have them be in there. And then it was never going to be Christian Bale. Right. Right. But like Val Kilmer, obviously never. we know Val Kilmer's current yeah. health state, not going to be him. But yeah, if it like, I, I've never like been, I've never ever in my life once cheered at a movie. Like I don't like try to hold it back. It's just nothing ever's drawn me to cheer. But if it was Christian Bale, I probably would have lost my fucking I would have lost my shit. But, yeah, um, I but lost, I don't but think that I, was never going to happen. I don't think it would have been possible too, because that would have been for sure spoiled everywhere on Twitter before the movie ever even came close to releasing. So also Christian Bale has been very adamant over the years that he would return as Batman Bruce Wayne. 
only Nolan if Nolan. it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way he will return. So I don't know, because the only reason I see a possibility in Christian Bale returning is because Christopher Nolan produced Man of Steel. So maybe down the line, if he has any producing credits on any other DCU movie, maybe he'll be like, yo, Christian, weasel your way in here, bro. Well, and we know um, that Warner Brothers is like, trying desperately to get him back so that yeah, would obviously to need to be Nolan a big thing back. for him to ever do anything with the dcu they would need to be on warner brothers and apparently yeah. they said he's doing his uh they're doing post-production work for oppenheimer from warner brothers a lot and they're like paying him millions yeah. of dollars for tenant so they're, they're trying to get him back so if they get him back then i would start to believe the maybe, maybe possibilities more i if there if it's ever announced and we're going off top a little bit but if it's ever announced that christopher nolan is doing like a Dark Knight Returns movie with an older Christian Bale, Bruce Wayne. That would be my most anticipated movie of all time. Maybe same. And I'm not even close to your love for the Dark Knight trilogy, but I'd still probably be unbelievable. Oh my! I would be boned out until the release of that movie. Just thinking about it respectfully to all my listeners. (laughs) Going back to like the, the flash and the cameo. So I wouldn't call the beginning with like obviously Ben Affleck and then Wonder Woman cameos because like we've seen the Flashpoint paradox. Yeah. We know it starts off with the yeah. Justice League saving the day. But yeah. Wonder Woman's one woman, other than just like Gal Gadot being awesome, is that she's someone I'll never get upset about a cameo for her because just because every time you see her and that freaking score plays, that electric guitar riff, I'll eat it up every time. I don't care. I just love that score so much. I love that electric guitar riff. Yeah. So just throw her, like, I, you threw her in Shazam, throw her in this. It's just like, we just need her for two seconds just so I can hear the da-na-na-na-na-na. That's all I want. And then I'm happy. Uh, yeah, no. I, I they're, they're not cameos, obviously, and that's that's a, one part that I just can't stand people getting upset about because they're not. Like, if you watch the Flashpoint Paradox, the animated movie, you'll know that, like, the Flashpoint Paradox animated movie starts with every single member of the Justice League. And the cameos to me. Well, yeah, like, they like, can't be a cameo if they, if they live in that universe too. It can't be a cameo. Yeah, like, they live. No way in home. That they came from a different universe. Whereas, like, this is like these are people that live in that city. Like, chilling. yeah, like they're there. Obviously, if there's like, fucking crime in Gotham, we're gonna see Batman. Um, but yeah, let, let's touch on the ending because that is one of the parts of the movie that holds it back for me. Um, this movie was definitely uh, a Barry Allen movie, like Tyler said. Like a lot of people are coming out of it saying, "Oh, it's a Batman movie. It's Michael Keaton's Batman movie." I don't see that at all. Uh, this entire movie was Barry Allen, um, so I understand the lack of a villainous presence, and I think that's one part of this movie that really bothers me. Obviously, there are villains. There's General Zod. There's the Dark Flash. Um, so like we have two villains but none of them feel like they're fleshed out or blah 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 they just feel like they're stand-in there just to give barry added conflict on top of breaking the multiverse and that's one thing that bothered me especially when we get to that ending everything feels like it got resolved way too fast from the time barry meets face to face with dark flash with other barry to the time where you know, the timeline is, in quotes, fixed. It just moved way too fast for me. And it didn't feel like there was, I don't know, it, it, enough anything, enough stakes, blah, blah, blah. It just, it moved way too fast for me. And I understand the lack of a villainous presence because this is a Barry Allen movie. This movie is more about this superhero's internal conflict as opposed to 
you know, a villainous conflict. Um, and I think they got that part of the movie very right. Um, it felt very much like Spider-Man No Way Home, how, yeah, there are villains, but this is a Peter Parker internal struggle movie. And I think they do a good job in No Way Home at displaying that. Um, but in The Flash, it's the villains for me. There's just nothing that I liked about any of Zod's appearances or the Dark Flash's appearances. I wanted more and I wanted that resolution to kind of be dragged out a little bit more. It just felt very fast. Seth, I know you've been wanting to talk about the ending, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Pretty much the same as you, to be honest. I I just found the ending to be really rushed um, and very lazy, and I echo what you're saying. It's like with the villains, they're just there. Um, John Lazard and, and, and obviously Dark Flash, and he has them there. And it's just there, and it's just going from one point to the other and having to f- try and find a focal point to to conclude this film which i don't think was done well i think it, it felt like something that was delayed it felt like something that was true they had they were in a time crunch for um and yeah like it just the the final the the, the battle sequence was just bizarre to me it's it's so alien it's so stupid it, it goes from like you said george nothing to something it's so rushed and it goes from point A to point B so quickly just so they can resolve this conflict. That let's be honest, I don't care about, and most people watching don't care about this conflict. It's more like George said, the internal conflict with Barry. I don't think we needed a a fight sequence of this, I guess, scale, especially one that looked, in my opinion, pretty terrible most of the time. I don't think we needed it. I don't think we needed a big fight sequence. I think it was it was anticlimactic. I think it looked bad. Um and yeah, it felt it felt it felt it felt rushed. Um, and I don't think it was needed to be honest. But that's just my point, anyway. Yeah, that's that's like the one thing because I I really do, and I understand all of like the criticisms. Like tonally, this movie maybe doesn't make sense every so often. Although I think the second act of the movie absolutely nails the tone. From the time Barry meets Barry, they go to Bruce, they break out uh, Supergirl from. The, the prison i think tonally the second act of this movie is fantastic the first one is kind of all over the place and the third one obviously we just discussed just feels just completely erratic um but yeah it's, it's a very interesting decision making on their part to kind of send them into just this open field of cgi cluster shit um and then also a little off topic. I don't know if you guys noticed the scene where uh, Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne flies his ship into the yeah. other ship and sacrifices himself. Uh, that was in the trailer. Uh, I don't know if you guys paid attention to that. I remember that. Yeah, that no. was in the trailer. You, It's like a very split second. You see the bat ship go into the thing and explode and you see Barry sitting there like looking up at it. Uh, so that was weird. I didn't know that. Um, it's fun. But yeah, uh, is there anything else we want to touch on? I, I don't want to spend too much time on The Flash just because we have five other things to review. Yeah, I, uh, I just have a couple more things. So I, again, like I thought the emotion worked really well just because I know there's a lot of people out there that really like this movie and it can be a little disheartening to see literally everyone on Twitter seems like just shitting on it. So if you liked it, there's nothing wrong with that. And I can see a lot of reasons why people would like it. Um, I really did enjoy the final scene when Barry went to his mother. Like I thought that was the motion worked for me there with the whole like, grabbing the can of tomatoes real solemnly and softly. And she's like, do you need a hug? I'm like, damn, this is like, this is hitting pretty hard. Like I thought they did that well. And there's so much they did do well, but the villains were the big problem. Like 
I don't even know if I liked or disliked Dark Flash. I just didn't retain anything about Dark Flash. Like, I feel like that all happened so fast, like, that I just, like, by the time Dark Flash was there and gone, I was like, what even just happened? Like, I was like, it kind of took me by a whirlwind. I was like, dude, I didn't absorb any of that. It just happened, like, in such a split second. I was like, what's even going on here? Um, but yeah, the villains I just thought were worthless because like General Zod and all that was like dumb. Like I thought they really nerfed Super Superwoman. I get it. Like no matter what, like they were saying, you know, the spaghetti. Like no matter what, she has to die there. But it basically just showed that like no matter how many times they reverse it, she's gonna find some stupid way to lose a fight when she's supposed to be so badass. Speaking of the spaghetti, by the way, that was I don't know how you guys felt. That was such a clever way and such a simple way of describing the multiverse. And like it made I made sense really, to me. Bro, it made so much sense. It was like the most simple, easy way of describing the multiverse. And it's like, it reminded me of Endgame where they just like try to explain time travel. And it's like, who cares? You don't need to do this. Like time travel. We're just going to accept it for what it is. Like the Flash could have easily been like multiverse, just whatever. It's not real. Just accept it for what it is. But I like that they took the time to like give us that very simple breakdown of the multiverse just to help us like a little bit understand what's going on and i don't know i just while keaton was like explaining that with the whole bowl of spaghetti i was like this is like really clever of them to do i don't know how you guys felt but i don't yeah, know that's my, how i walked away from it my favorite point of the film well so i i actually didn't like the ending very much the scene with with his mom it just didn't work for me at all it's, it felt for me like something i've seen multiple times but i definitely understand why people like uh, people like that like tyler and probably george george do you like the ending I'm I liked it a little bit. I, I I thought the emotion worked a little bit for me. Okay. So, oh, by the way, did you guys recognize the mom? I did. Yeah, for some oh, reason. Her? Didn't... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and my favorite point of the film was probably the second act because I actually probably enjoyed the, the comedic aspects a lot more than I did uh, the emotional aspects. And when they did meet Keaton, I like Michael Keaton's Batman. I'm not going to, you know, it's not really... I mean, it is a cameo, but it's something we already knew going in, obviously, from yeah. the trailers. I like Mal Keaton's Batman. I like Mal Keaton. I just thought it was kind of cool when they met him. And I just, I, I quite like that scene. I quite like the whole, the, the middle section, like George said. And I think that's where the, the comedy shone through and the writing shone through. But the emotional parts just didn't really work for me. But I liked, yeah, the, the second act was kind of the most tonally structured. I think George said that as well. George, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, in the Flashpoint Paradox, isn't like Michael Keaton's Batman, like wouldn't that have been Thomas Wayne? I swear, wasn't it, it like... Okay. Yeah. Because like Bruce yes. Wayne isn't in that multiverse in the Flashpoint Paradox, right? It's his dad yeah. and Bruce Wayne and his mother were the ones who died in the alley instead. Yeah, kind of. I kind of would have wished... I, th I was hoping they were going to go that route in this because I feel like it would have been a cool, yeah. a cool motivation to have I his son and wife die instead of like... It when did the Flashpoint uh, Paradox come out? Paradox? Like even? 10 years oh, ago? I don't God, know. God, yeah, a while ago. Seth, you should watch it, honestly. I think you would enjoy that animated movie. I have and been you... trying to get into like I want to watch the what's that batman one you always speak about phantasm mask of the phantasm yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, 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 the, in, my, sure, that's in my mind the best animated batman movie we have how many is there <laughs> dozens a oh, lot <laughs> okay, so i won't be watching all of them now. a chunk um but all right we'll we'll wrap up our uh our flash uh review here like we said we got five more reviews to power through it's gonna be a long episode so if you're here for the long haul Thanks for sticking around. Um, I go a four out of five on The Flash. I believe Cam also went with a four out of five. Yep. Tyler went with a three out of five. I'm, Seth, I'm actually dropped it without telling us. Oh, did he? To a three and a half? Yeah. All I was right. looking what it was all rated last night, and he, right. yeah, he dropped it. Cam went with a three and a half out of five. 
Tyler went with a three, and Seth went with a two and a half. Wow, we went right down the line. Four, three and a half, three, two and a half. That's funny. Um, all right, let's move on to our next review, and that is Past Lives. Um, a lot of people's most anticipated uh, movie of the year. It's A24's newest release. Uh, Seth, did you watch Past Lives? It's not out here yet. There's no okay, release there so, yet. So, me, so myself and Tyler uh, saw it. Um, do we want to split this up, spoiler or non-spoiler, or do we just want to There's not really any spoilers, but we still, we'll still yeah. talk about the movie in broad strokes anyways, so... Yeah, yeah. There's not, yeah. There's not a lot to spoil. Um, but Tyler, you you can kick it off. Give us your give us your thoughts on past lives. Yeah. So I gave it a four point five stars. And I texted you right after. I was like, man, I'm all the way between like a three out of five and a five out of five on this. Like I I just had to digest it. Like right away, I couldn't figure out where I landed. A three out of five. Like it, it was just a wide range. Like I didn't because like I I liked oh, okay. I liked the movie. And then the final 10 minutes tied it all together. And I really loved that. So it's like, okay, where do I put this and land it? If I just kind of just liked the whole movie, but then the ending really tied it in. Cause you know, it's just the yeah. ending that I really love. But then again, like it's part of the movie and ties in everything else. So it was just, it was complex to digest, but this is way different than the trailers led me to believe in a good way. The trailers made me think this is like a woman who was like married. And then this guy from like her past life starts messaging her and they like meet up in New York city and like start hanging out. And it's like, seems like almost like unfaithful and stuff but um th then the movie the way it plays out in the movie is like it's 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 hardly even a romance it's more drama and it's like she's not really necessarily into the guy it's more that that guy's a representation of her past life in korea and her holding on to the culture that she left behind to move and immigrate to united states in new york city um so i really like that part and also like her husband in the movie like isn't like they are, they do love each other, but they kind of say like, you know, they got married mainly for the green card. They're both successful writers in New York city. So they're kind of more like professional working partners that like do love each other, but it's not like it's a standard marriage where, you know, they dated, they're like, feel like they're soulmates, lifelong lovers and then get married. So, um, it, it worked for me in that, that sense. I love the ending and I love the whole depiction of Inyun and past lives, and I thought it was just all done very well. The acting I thought was all so incredible. Like every single performance in this movie was so, so good. Um, the score was quite good as well. And yeah, I just, it was a lot to take in. I can see why, I can definitely see why people give this like a 10 out of 10 because if either, if you're either like if you're an immigrant or if you have like a friendship or a relationship that from years past that you no longer talk to them or broke for some whatever reason and it was like a big point of your life. Like I never really have like a friend I can think of that like was best friends with and I lost and like it like it impacted me. So I can see why people's personal life experiences would really impact their feeling on this movie. But I thought it was really quite well done. Um, I, I didn't think like Celine Song was her directorial debut. So it was great for that. I didn't think it was like as impressive not to knock Celine Song, but like it, it didn't feel like she had as much like command and control over the narrative as uh, you know, for after sun for Charlotte Wells. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really liked it. I definitely want to see it again, especially cause I got to the theater like three minutes late cause of freaking traffic. So I missed the like opening two minutes, but I messaged a couple of people on Twitter who already saw it. I'm like, please just give me like a paragraph of like what happened in the first two minutes. So I'm not missing anything, but I'll definitely have to rewatch and I'm excited to rewatch cause I did enjoy it. But, but yeah, 4.5 out of 4.5 stars, 9.3 out of 10. Really, really, really liked it. Um, yeah, I just think that final 10 minutes really tied it all in super beautifully. It didn't like blow me away the movie as a whole, but it's, it's very quite good. And I think I think Seth would quite like it as well. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you on the four and a half out of five slide. And a big part of that was because of the ending. Um, the movie was fantastic, but as the movie kind of rode along, I was never really like thoroughly invested into this. I think it's just culturally, you know, I, I don't think this is a movie I can necessarily relate to, which is weird to say because I give like the Batman a five out of five, and obviously I can't relate to that. But um, I thought you were him. I, fair, I am him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this movie is going to hit home with a lot of people um, who have, you know, taken that big step and, uh, and emigrated somewhere outside of their home country. And, you know, they're trying to hold on to that cultural aspect of their life. Um, I also thought like, and I don't even want to call it a love story, but I'll say like the love story aspect of this movie. I think it works really well. The dynamic between our main female and her husband, as well as her old friend from Korea, I think just works incredibly well. Um, it never feels like anything is forced. Um, the relationship between her and her past friend, uh, it just feels natural. This movie truly felt like it wasn't even scripted or it wasn't even a movie. It just felt like we were following these three characters through their lives. Um, and it just felt very natural. I absolutely love that about this movie. Um, I make the comparison to, to La La Land. Um, and I think that comparison somewhat holds up, especially the ending. Um, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy this movie. I don't think this hit me emotionally as hard as I would have wanted it to. Um, everyone in my theater was kind of in tears by the end of it, including Sophie. Um, but I was just kind of like, okay, like I like that ending a lot, but it did feel like because I can't necessarily relate to any of these scenarios, what's going on between her and her husband and her and her past friend. Maybe it just didn't hit me as much as I would have liked it to, but no, I, I, I am with Tyler. I go with a four and a half out of five. And a big part of that four and a half is because of the ending. And I don't want to spoil it for uh, right. for the for anyone that hasn't seen it. But I really, really, really like that ending. And then one thing I also think just elevated this movie was for me was I was at a Q&A with the filmmaker and the husband, the guy who plays the husband in the movie. So I always love that because it's very interesting to just hear how they kind of like film a scene and what the expectations are and you know, how the dynamic between these characters should be interpreted versus maybe how we interpret it ourselves. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I went with a four and a half out of five. We have you have... seen the, the graph, the, the rating graph to this? It's really interesting. It's, yeah. I rarely see this. It's like a 4.5, a five, and a four are all exactly the same length. Oh, really? yeah, that's weird. I've yeah, that now too. I've literally never seen this. Yeah. Okay. I, see, I could see that because, like I said, it's like. Depending on your scenario, depending on how you were raised, where you were raised, what your situation is, I think this movie's going to hit home with a lot of people. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Tyler, is there anything spoilery you want to go into? Not really, no. other than the ending. And yeah, the, yeah, I don't yeah. want to go into and like, I tried to explain the movie to Riley when I got home, and this is like the type of movie, or a lot of movies kind of like this. It's so hard to explain to someone, and like if you just say like the one sentence, like tidbits of what happens, like she's like, this sounds really corny and stupid. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Hard. it's hard to give it That's justice. how I felt. That's how I felt after watching After Sun. When I got home, I, w I was home, like at my parents' house the weekend I watched After Sun. So I went to see it by myself, and I came back to After Sun, and like I'm visibly like crying. Like, my mom could clearly tell that I was crying in the car. And she's like, what the hell is this movie about? 
And I was like, just a father and a daughter on vacation. Yeah. And my mom and dad are like, the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate explaining I, movies to people after. I, the people are like, oh, how do you like the movie? And like, if it's something like, you know, The Flash or like Element, like stuff that's like, you know, kind of blockbuster, yeah. you can explain it. But if it's like a deeper like drama, like I'm like, I don't want to do this because it's just going to sound yeah, so like, stupid. <laughs> but like, like, I don't want to get into why this movie hurt me. Like, right. The, the one thing that, and like movies 100% never need to have flawless protagonists like i that movies are better when they have flaws they're not perfect but i think a lot of people like to nitpick people and be like oh like that person's kind of shitty like i do think a lot of things our main actress does is like shitty in this movie like the whole bar scene rubbed me such the wrong way like how they just completely shut out her husband for like an hour-long conversation and like the husband was like so like cool about like the whole like him coming like obviously he was a little apprehensive about it but like so would any of us like someone you're married to for That's, 12 years then someone comes in and then like all of a sudden you're just like a nobody to them they're just talking to this new person that's what um that was one of the biggest topics the q a that they were talking about basically like this movie wanted to highlight the idea of the husband being an outsider like his wife has an entire past entire friendships from korea that he's not involved in like yeah he's married to her they've built this life together in new york um you know they obviously live together um but this movie what they were trying to go for was making us understand that like he feels so ostracized from this relationship the fact that his wife has such a rich history in korea before she came to the united states that he's just not in tune for uh, which i get and i understand like what they're going for there but still like the fact that like if they're yeah, married, if they're married right but if they're married two years i would have bought that a little more but like 12 years is so yeah. long to be married to someone and still have them feel like yeah. a nobody do you kind of like that's no, that's the only part of like I might, like based on the trailers that's why like my when they did the second like 12 years later my jaw kind of dropped up i was like wait that's that's how long they've been married like that's how long you're making this relationship be before like these events come into play but um but yeah, yeah. Like, i get what they're going for and like i like i said like protagonists don't need to be flawless they shouldn't be it makes it more interesting when they have yeah problems that you kind of look at and you're like i wouldn't have done things the same but but yeah i really really liked it um i don't know i would have been interesting to see if celine song did this as like not a directorial debut because like i feel like this could have benefited from being longer like it was like an hour 40 minutes total and yeah. i feel like a lot of it felt because i know like reagan for example on twitter like i was talking to her about it because she gave it like a three stars and she said she didn't really buy into the romance of the movie. And I was like, that makes sense. And like, I didn't really either, but I didn't really view it as much of a romance as more of a drama to me. But then again, like from the trailers, everything they build this to be makes you think this is a romance movie. Yeah. So I can totally see if you're going into that, expecting this to be like a mainly like a romance, which there's plenty of elements of that, like we said, but I don't know. That's not my big takeaway from it. But if you're going in looking for that, like I can totally see, like it's pretty thin in terms of like the romance between the two Korean friends, because yeah. It is pretty sparse and so much time. And I get you can be so connected and the whole concept of Inyun. But then again, like, because they went like 12 years without talking and then talked for like a week and then went 12 years again. So it's like, again, I just don't have that personal experience with a friend like that. So I don't know what it's like to have that kind of connection with someone from a previous life in terms of like you're before immigrating somewhere. So it's just something where that's why it's a 4.5 stars, which I still really liked, but not necessarily that five out of five after sun level, like 10 out of 10 type movie. Cause I just couldn't fully connect or relate because I just didn't really understand it. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I don't think the romance was ever meant to be the focal point of this movie. I think it was just the idea that she was being reminded of this entire past life she had in Korea and how maybe she lost that over the years and the, the reemergence of, of this old friend is kind of just bringing her back and maybe making her 
I don't want to say regret the move to the United States of America, but maybe look down on it a little, uh, you know, differently now that she's kind of built a life in New York, but is also now being reminded of this past life that she had in Korea with this one friend of hers that, um, you know, still lives that life. And uh, she could kind of see the cultural differences that she kind of went through being in the United States for almost 24 years. Um, but yeah, we could wrap that up there. The two of us went with a Sounds four and great. a half. It's, I'm, I'm excited for you two to watch it, honestly. I, I, I do think. Is that, so is that made up or is that like actually? Yeah. No, I just said. Just okay, well, to be fair, that's not as bad as I was expecting for A24. <laughs> like, yeah, was, wasn't Pearl like a year? <laughs> I've still not seen Pearl. It's still, it, you still can't like, rent it on streaming. It was like seven months, I think. Yeah, right. quick, quick side note about A24. They do piss me off because they're just simply not an indie studio anymore. They were just valued recently at $2.5 billion. So the fact that they keep doing yeah. all these such limited releases is such horseshit that I feel like they do on purpose <laughs> to drum up the indie buzz and be like, oh, limited yeah. release, then we'll expand. It's like, you're literally a multi-billion dollar company now. Like, <laughs> you, you produced Oscar winners that were $100 million plus profits. This movie for months has been said like one of the best movies of the year. My theater was packed, like absolutely packed because they only have one freaking really? theater in Arizona showing it. So it's so like, so it's just like, I don't know. A twenty four. You used to be that independent guy. Just accept that you're like a mainstay studio now. I'm <laughs> off my soapbox now. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Get, give us the wide releases we deserve. Give me we are uh, we are joined by Cameron Walsh in the beautiful state of Florida. Hello, Cameron. How are you? Hello. Florida sucks. Oh. Fair, fair. What part I'm of Florida? Good. Are you? Hey all. Hey, hey everyone. Hey. I'm back. Okay, right. perfect timing because we're gonna get into our extraction two review. No, 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 no. Let me give it the flash thoughts real quick. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I joined like ten minutes ago, and y'all just chatted <laughs> for ten minutes. I was like, all right, I'll wait. Um, flash. All right, all right, real quick, Tyler. If you can like cut this into like the spoiler section of flat, that would be great. I don't know what y'all said. I just have a couple points to make. Okay. Uh, the flat. Okay, is that fine? Yeah, just yeah, rattle no, them off. Yeah, so the the Flash, I enjoyed it. I gave it like a seventy four out of seventy three well, out of hundred. I, I was going to ask. I think you dropped from a four to a three point five. Yeah. So like, as I thought about it, I was like, yeah, maybe I didn't enjoy that as much as. And I also enjoyed Extraction two more, but I had and but I didn't enjoy Extraction two more than Extraction. So I like it just trickled yeah. down, whatever trickled down down economics, all that jazz. Um, but uh, so spoilers of Flash, whatever. Skip ahead five minutes if you haven't seen it. We're already in spoilers. Uh, We're yeah, it yeah, I didn't. Just, but just I don't know. I don't know where he's putting this. Super weird cameos. And my only opinion on it, everyone's all up in arms about it, freaking out about the cameos. Um, you got Christopher Reeves, you got Matt Reeves, you got uh, George Reeves. Uh, George, we, George I did. Uh, my <laughs> bad. Matt Reeves. No, we, 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 we made the same mistake. The Batman director. Um, you got George Reeves, Christopher Reeves. You got, um, you got uh, Nick Cage's Superman, which if you have not seen like Death, the Death of Superman Lives um, documentary, uh, I believe it's, is it by Kevin Smith or it's about the movie Kevin Smith was going to make? I forget. I haven't watched it in a long while. Really good documentary. Um, where Nick Cage almost played Superman, but also no one fucking like no one knows about that documentary for the most part. Like it's not a well-known documentary. It's not a massive thing. So why add him in? Super weird. Why not throw Brandon Routh, who was Superman, 
Why not throw in uh, Ezra Miller's Flash was in it? Why not throw in Grant Gustin's Flash, who's actually like beloved by most fans? Like it, the the my only issue with the cameos, people freaked out about how disrespectful it is. I, I don't think it is that. I'm sure they got approval from the families and everything, and that's really all you can do at that point is like if the families are all right with it, like, yeah, it's a cool little tidbit, sure. Uh, but my only issue is why choose these cameos that don't like really matter at this point, uh, aside from the cameos of people that are like still playing uh, these characters like obviously the flash tv show just ended why not throw grant gustin in there that makes zero sense to me and also why are we having so many superman cameos in a flash movie like i understand like i i get the point of them and i know uh seth basically said he hates cameos whatever i'm not necessarily on that page but these cameos just felt like worthless why not throw tom welling in there like everyone loves smallville i just like the cw's crisis on infinite earths did a much better cameo fest uh, than any of these like i just i do not get it maybe they just didn't want to like do all of those same exact cameos because ezra um cameoed on the cw show um and it's just that makes no sense to me otherwise movie was fine i enjoyed my time with it ezra miller shitty 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 person i think they did a very good job in this movie though i'm gonna be honest um uh uh, Sasha Kaye was a standout for the like five minutes of screen time that she had. And Michael Keaton's Batman was awesome as well. Um, a little goofy, but, but still awesome. I like to see him. Oh, also George Clooney cameo was a whatever cameo in my opinion, but that's, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Okay, I also don't know how long I have, so I just wanted to give my flash thoughts. No, that's fine. Do we want to power through extraction two while you're here since you saw yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's do extraction two dropped um, two days ago, uh, directed by Sam Hargrave, written by Joe Russo, unfortunately. Boo. Um, Which is based I, off I a graphic. All... I didn't know it was based off a graphic novel that the Russo brothers wrote. Like, I didn't know they wrote yeah. a graphic oh, novel that was based on that. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then uh, they went with Sam Hargrave to direct, which is a it's cool. I think Sydney posted a video about this, how Sam Hargrave used to be uh, Captain uh, Chris Evans stunt double for Captain America. And now he's directing extraction the same way. Um, I believe it's Chad Stelensky, the guy that directed yeah, John yeah, Wick yeah. Yeah. used to be Keanu Reeves stunt double for the matrix. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I mean, give these guys a better script and I guess they know what they're fucking doing. Although the John Wicks have fantastic scripts already. Uh, give Sam Hargrave a fantastic script and he'll make a great movie. Um, Cam, we'll start with you because I don't know how much time you have. Give us your, are we going at the spoilers on extraction too? Do we really, you, you will know. Are there really any like, yeah, there's, you know, exactly the kind of movie you're going into. So we'll, we'll give a spoiler warning here just in case we let something slip, but I I doubt we're going to, we're going to go heavy. This whole thing spoilers. Who cares? Um, I, I will say I, I loved Extraction too. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Sam Hargrave is, I think, a really good director. Honestly, I, like you said, he's Captain America's stunt double. He's also he was like the stunt choreographer on on Captain America: Civil War. Um, I believe uh, Avengers: Infinity War, Endgame. Uh, I think a ton of different things as well. I looked him up like yesterday and completely forget it now. Awesome for him that he got to. Um, direct extraction people loved it and so he gets to come back and do it again like you guys said uh script is just a non-factor in this thing and it um i don't think it needed to be a perfect script but i think that's what elevates it from most for like a 
from like a, you know, I gave it a three and a half. I still had a really great time with it or a 74 out of hundred, I think is right up there. Um, it's like my seventh highest rated movie of the year at a, at a 74 out of hundred or whatever. Um, but I think the script, if it's better, it get that's what gets it into that four, four and a half territory for most. I know Tyler's a lot lower on this movie um, than I think us, or maybe a little bit lower. I don't know. I think I might be the highest. I will say Tyler at one point mentioned, I read his letterbox review and mentioned that you didn't like the action choreography bonkers or maybe action directing. I don't know. Bonkers take <laughs> is all I'm giving you. Um, the four or 21 minute uh, um, one shot fucking sick slapped. And then the unfortunate part about that is it happens. Like it's like the, 30th minute of the movie or it starts at like minute 28 or something and i do think all the action pieces after that were just a step down unfortunately um so that's kind of a bummer but it it, it was really cool in my opinion um oh yeah i mentioned this in a tweet like chris hemsworth is injured for like 12 minutes of this movie <laughs> i'm back hysterical he, get, he gets one on job offer does a few push-ups and he's good to go guys <laughs> shortest shortest like workout montage i think hysterical and then the are- literally in a sling yeah he was dead literally dead like a couple months ago and now he just does a couple push-ups and he's yeah. like, let's go, bro. Let's go. Absolutely. This. And then I love, I love yeah. the movies are therapies reply to you too, where he's like, and he was able to maintain that slick fade haircut while he's in prison. <laughs> oh yeah. The whole bro, time. Just got a dope haircut the whole dude, time. Dude is looking nice with it, man. Um, yeah. That was very fun. Yeah. I, I'm pretty much with cam. I, I think I'm just a little lower. I went with a three out of five and it, it was the script for me. I can appreciate the action. And I think this is fantastic action choreography. I'm not taking anything away from Sam Hargrave. I really do think some of these massive set pieces are really fun to watch. Um, and this is just one of those movies where like, I don't think Sam Hargrave really gave a fuck about the script. I think he's just there to give us good action. I think he's there to make a dad movie to put it, you know, lightly. Um, yeah. But, my dad would love this shit. Yeah. Oh, like God. my dad would eat yeah. this shit up. And like, I ate it up. Like I was locked in the entire time, but like, I still need something. I, I I can't overlook the fact that I just, I don't care about any of these characters. Even the character of Tyler Rake, really, I don't really care about. I think he's awesome. I think he's cool. You know, I, I said- Very handsome box. as well. Super handsome. Obviously yeah. one of the most handsome guys on this planet. Um, yeah. And I said in my letterbox review, like I think Tyler Rake is like slowly climbing to the ranks of like John Wick and Jason Bourne and John McClane as like just one of the best like action heroes ever. Um, but it is his lack of depth that really just holds me back. And it's the lack of like character depth that really holds me back. Like I do like these characters. I just don't care about them that much. And that's what really removes me from this movie. But that's not to take away from Sam Hargrave. I think this man can direct the fuck out of these action sequences. Obviously we're kind of just beating the shit out of a dead horse. When we talk about the, the, the 21 minute long one take, thought it was sick the entire time they're in the prison yard with that riot i was like so locked in um so i thought it was great um i would have loved to see idris elba like do something like i was yeah. waiting i was wait also i didn't know he was in the movie I um yeah i don't know if that was like a cameo they were trying to like cover up or whatever maybe i just wasn't in the extraction to use part of twitter but i didn't know he was there um, but I was really, really waiting for like one scene where he just pops out and him and uh, Chris Hemsworth just like fight alongside each other or some shit. Um, so I'm hoping we get that in the third movie. Obviously, it's been 
already confirmed that a third movie is in the works. I don't think that needed to be confirmed with the way the second movie ended. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. it. Went with a three out of five. I think it's just a very modern day action movie. You know, yeah. it's exactly what you're looking for in Domeless Action. Um, yeah. So yeah, three out of five for me. Slightly less on Cam, but basically the same thoughts. Yeah. Seth or Tyler. I went with a. Uh, I went three out of five. So same as you. Watching this angered me, to be honest, because I I think Sam Hargraves is actually a really good action director i think he's visually in- inspiring in terms of the way he shoots action i think he clearly knows what he's doing and i just think a lot of it is just it's a shame that a lot of it is overshadowed by uh is it joe russo or anthony russo that wrote this is it joe. Joe? joe okay yeah i just think it was overshadowed because i can handle an average script with this i don't need a good script but i appreciate not a terrible one where they're having conversations about fucking tiktok and stuff like that it's what we're doing it that, that was, specifically was so that weird the- is that like the first mention of TikTok in a in a major movie? I can't or there, it, I it's know. not the first, probably, but it's the first that I remember. And I was first like, TikTok, what the hell? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> and it just it's just annoying because I I, I do. So the first one, I, I I probably actually enjoyed this one a little bit more. And the second one, it was bigger. It was like it was more brutal. It was more ambitious in the way they shot action sequences and some of the really great, like the one shot one that we beat that horse, like George said, but. I really enjoyed it and it just annoyed me because I just give me an average script. You don't need to do too much. Just use the most basic revenge plot. Use whatever you want, but don't include the dialogue. It's just some of it would just took me out of the moment. It annoyed me and I still rated it positively. So that goes to show um, how great I think Sam Hargrid is at shooting action, even though uh, a lot of the action was completely illogical. I don't really need logic in these sort of films and that takes away from it. I don't really care about having logic. And I just think that give me something bare bones, but don't give me absolute nonsense that Joe Russo gave me. I think the writing was detrimental to how much I enjoyed this film. And I still give, I still give it a three stars, still give it positively because I did enjoy it. But I think if it was, you know, if this was just the action with a box standard plot that didn't have the horrendous dialogue, I'd probably give this like a three and a half or a four. I, I had a good time with it. Um, but yeah, three. Sam Argos, Clay shoots action very well. There's some really fun set pieces. I just, I just hated the script. I think it was genuinely awful. I think it's some of the best action I've seen in a few years, and one of the worst scripts I've, I've seen in a few years. I, w- I don't even know if I would go as far as saying it was like a shitty script. It was just really? so bland. Like it was I, just, I it was literally as if they just like typed into like Chat GPT and they were like, I think it was. I think Chat like GPT action movie. movie. Like someone they would. You know, and you know, Joe Russo is Joe Russo is just kind of a dickhead. I I still <laughs> will always love him for Infinity War and Endgame, whatever. But he's just kind of a dickhead right now, where he's like, oh no, there's no one needs to go to cinemas or whatever. And, and he's also the kind of guy that's like Chat GPT can write a script just as good as anyone else. And it's like this is why, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you make this this this. And he's like, the extraction two is like his good enough. I'm sure. Like, yeah. I think at this point they they I really genuinely think they have just booked it after Endgame and Infinity War, where they're like, this is good enough. We are going this the Gray Man. They're making their money. They don't give a shit. Have anymore. they wrote any I really films think. apart from the Gray Man and extraction? Did they write movie? Cherry? I think they wrote Cherry. I could be I wrong. They, I'll, I'll look I mean, they I'll definitely look directed Cherry. I'm not sure if they wrote it. I don't think I know that. But, but yeah, the, like, like again, I don't yeah. think like like the script wasn't horrifically bad where I like gave this movie a one and a half or a one out of five. It was just the most bland, basic script 
ever with like so little like depth to the characters so little depth on like the i guess we'll call them villains or just the the opposition the antagonist um cherry was a bit of a a mishmash but they were in like there were like four or five writers credited but they were in that so yeah all right tyler your thoughts on extraction two yeah, I mean, my letterbox pretty clearly says like the opposite of what Cam said. I, I said that they're amazing action directors. The action was the best part. But they, they the illogical part, like Seth said, is what they don't know how to do. Chad Stileski knows how to make logical action. Sam Hargrave wasn't able to do that. There was just a couple moments like in the train. where. So the thing with Sam Hargrave is he's a big big on whatever the camera sees is what the villain sees. So there's so many times in like the train specifically where there'd be like three three guys with guns standing there. And then like, it would turn around. You see Chris Hemsworth standing right in front of him. And they're like, "Oh, he's right there!" And like, they wouldn't see him until the yeah, camera sees right. him. I'm like, "This is a corridor of a train. Like, he's not hiding anywhere." So I'm just saying he's not going to make a logical action. I'm saying his action directing is awesome, and it was the best part of the movie by far. But he's just not able to the blocking of his shots. He still needs to get better because there's a lot of times where Tyler Rakes are standing in plain sight, but because the camera doesn't see him, no one else can see him. Yeah. Um, and especially on a train when it's literally like a, a four foot wide corridor, like there's just nowhere to hide. Like, and he's just walking right, <laughs> right at him. But we don't see like, there's three, there's, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of moments like that where I'm like, this is like pretty illogical, but I thought the action was all fun to watch. Um, but yeah, the, like we said, the script was awful. Like, I think the, the script was more boring to me than the first one, just purely because I think when you have franchises like this, you have to build on it. Like John Wick, every movie builds on the lore, it gets deeper. Whereas I feel like this just kept the lore the exact same, which by proxy makes it worse than the first one just because it's like okay we're not really expanding this universe but the action's better than the first one the one take sequence was so awesome so brutal um so yeah like there's but yeah kind of like cam said it sucks that it's so early on because the rest of the action is really great just doesn't quite reach that level so you're kind of like oh you kind of gave us the best part at the beginning yeah, you should have saved it for like down the line yeah but um but yeah the action was super fun i gave it a 5.3 out of 10 for 2.5 stars like it's just very middle of the road in terms of I love the action, but as I've always been consistent on this podcast, I've never been a big pure action guy, so I'm not going to rate it that high. And then the script just brings it down a lot for me. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Because the thing is with John Wick, the lore expands so much every time. Therefore, it merits more movies. With Mission Impossible, the lore isn't quite the same level as John Wick, but there's still more lore to it. And Tom Cruise just does crazier things every movie, so it's like more exciting to see. Whereas Extraction's kind of rinse and repeating for the most part, which is making the action a little bigger. But that's why I'm not super excited for Extraction 3 because it's like, are, what, what's going on here? Like, are you going to introduce more characters like Idris Elba? They tried to, but they didn't really go deep into that. So I think the, the Russo brothers, because I'll say the brothers because it is based on a graphic novel they wrote, doesn't seem like they have the necessary footings to make this a big universe, but because the first one was so beloved by like a cult following of like the action and the one-take sequences are so cool. Um it also kind of screws them because Extraction 3, like, it needs to have a longer one take. Like, they've already established Extraction are the one yeah. take movies. Seven minutes, 20, like, whatever Extraction scene they do in the third one, it's going to have to be bigger and better than this one. And, yeah, I, we'll see how that goes. But I, it was fine. It was a fine movie. I kind of want them to pull, like, a 1917 and just make the whole movie a, <laughs> uh, a long take. A and just, massive just, one take. Yeah, just see what happens, honestly. Um, yeah. But that, that, to Tyler's point, that's what separates like the Extraction franchise from John Wick. John Wick builds on the lore as well as the action where Extraction strictly builds on the action. 
Like there's no lore building. There's no like character development. There's none of that. It's strictly, they are just trying to one up the action in all of these films, which you're either on board for that or you're not. Um, clearly, I think all three of us are just kind of middle of the pack. Like we don't mind it, but we don't necessarily love it. Um, but yeah, this is like the most B tier action movie that could have been released. And to some people, that's exactly but what I, they're I don't think for. This, I don't think this counts as B tier action though, because a B tier action I think is like a like a plane or a, a the gray man where like this like i think they truly put a ton of effort into the action yeah which i think helped i don't think this counts as like a b-tier action and also sorry if there's a ton of wind right now obviously i'm outside in oh, fucking florida okay that's great did you guys uh, hear a dog by the way yeah, yeah it's tyler. He, he's muted um oh i thought it was you i was confused <laughs> no, no no it's tyler um so but first, i, I first, just really don't think this should count as a b-tier action like like this is not in my opinion this is not on the level of like plane or or what what did i just mention and now the gray, gray man gray or man. red red notice or yeah. any ryan reynolds like action movie <laughs> or the rock action movie like i just don't think this falls into that same category it's, it's a very high tier of action if you go in action alone i would say it's a high yeah yeah maybe not to john wick but like just yeah. a step down from that mm -hmm. It's like yeah. an A minus tier, we'll call it B plus we'll, tier. We'll, we'll, just, we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> I, I do want to mention, I don't know, and this is completely for a clip. I'm going to clip it up. So just, yeah. But I, I don't know if you guys have seen, um, like from Extraction One, there's an awesome, like, behind the scenes clip of of sam hargrave filming an action scene and he's just strapped to the front of a car holding a camera i don't know That's if you guys have ever seen that it's <laughs> it's incredible like it's yeah, it's one of the coolest like behind the scenes action um uh directing just i've ever seen because he's just literally like they've got him <laughs> cabled to this car and he's holding the camera trying to catch everything it's very cool it's like and, one of those old deacon shots where he's in like the most obscure position yeah, yeah. and, it, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's things like that that make me at least appreciate this like this movie for being more than like i said a b-tier action movie like they're clearly putting a ton of effort in i don't see a i don't see a uh fucking i'm trying uh sean levy who directed uh uh free guy and what was the last ryan reynolds movie sorry to call the out adam project the adam project hey, hey, i don't I, see i, I like, like the adam, adam project. project don't get me wrong and i liked free guy actually a lot you, li uh, you like free guy oh, i liked free guy i'll say i have I liked both free those guy. movies rated higher than extraction two wow no, I, a, I like i have them both at a three and a half i, I don't like, think i like the adam project bro, i don't know what like it was with the adam project but like that hit me emotionally i don't know that's what it fair. was that's like fair. it really hit me but all right let's i, I just yeah, don't see him hopping on a car is all i really no. want to say like i don't think they are putting in as much effort you don't think Scorsese's hopping on the front of the train trying to? Well, film, Scorsese uh, might, but he's like, like flower not, he's just like he's hopping in front of like a gun and just yeah. like, all right, shoot, we're getting this perfect. <laughs> all right, uh, I went with a three out of five. Cam went with a three and a half out of five. Seth went with a two, a three out of five, and Tyler went with a two and a half out of five. Um, so that wraps up our extraction review. We are halfway through our reviews, like we said absolutely massive uh, a week of new releases that we all did our best to see as many as possible. So the next one, Pixar's latest, Elemental. Uh, I believe only Tyler and I saw this. It's not out here until next week, I think. Of, of oh, course. No. Don't Bro, spoil anything. I, like, I genuinely am very sad. New York, I can't bro. 
Um, um, so yeah, we'll we'll keep Elemental fairly fairly brief, fairly short. We'll keep it non spoilers. Uh, Tyler, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, and I'll actually kick us off with the short before Elemental, Carl's. Oh Dates, yeah, right. Which I thought was just super average, and I didn't care for it much. But then like I just hate like it was so fan servicey in the fact that up up was what over ten years ago now. Well yeah. over 10 years ago. And then they just throw in this short, which I get they had the Doug Day short that they've kind of been keep on going. But I just feel like there's such like an average, just nothing short that then they like play the up theme at the very end of it to try like the slow piano to try and like be like, hey, guys, remember how sad this is? And like, remember this like great movie you all loved? Whatever. It was nothing. I'm just going to say like it was just whatever short. It wasn't anything great. It wasn't anything bad. It was just there before the movie. But Elemental itself. Um, Cam, we won't spoil anything for you. Don't worry. And yeah, it's this, not, yeah, it's it's, it's the you thing can. With, I can take off mine. Okay, it's yeah, there's nothing. There's simply nothing really. There's, to there's, simply, there's, nothing really to there's simply really just like nothing to spoil here. So the thing is, like with with Elemental, it's a good movie in terms of I gave it a three star. I thought it was fine, but with Pixar, I feel like when they handle topics, they usually give us such a nuanced perspective on them and such an interesting, creative way to deliver it. Whereas this one just felt so on the nose and so like anyone could have thought this idea up. Like, and I saw like Sydney tweeted or something or put, put her in her review. She's like, uh, not sure this should have ever really left the writer's room, but it was still like a cute movie. And I kind of feel that way too. Like it just felt like such a non nuanced movie for Pixar standards. Like I said, I liked it, gave it a three out of five. I didn't love it, but I just felt like the whole immigrant story, which was done well. And like I said, in my letterbox review, like I'm really happy this movie exists because I think, for kids in their formative years watching this, this will be great to kind of show you how to like, how, you know, other cultures mix. And, you know, sometimes someone might not look like you might not talk the same way as you as a name that you don't understand or see as weird, but you're all just people at the end of the day and you are going through the same life together. So like, I'm happy this movie exists culturally, but I just felt like it was just so by the numbers. So by the book, it didn't have that spark that Pixar normally has. I think George, I think you said something similar in your letterbox review, but it's just tough because I did like this movie, but it's just, it just felt very surface level for Pixar standards. Um, The animation was pretty cool, but what's up? When it comes to, I I missed the start of this conversation. So correct me if I'm wrong. It turns like the simplicity of it. um, Would the simplicity be, be comparable to something with, you know, less nuanced like Luca, for example, or are you saying it doesn't really work on the same level? Because to me, the best thing about Pixar sometimes is when they strip down and they bear the essentials and they don't give me a film just um, completely puts, you know, tries to attempt to put you into an existential crisis, whatever, like a Luca, or is it just really bare bones to the point it doesn't really offer much? No, I think it, I think it's a, the latter portion because I really do like Luca and I think it, it's kind of different what it is here. I think this is very much... You know, basically, like the story is, uh, you know, water people like basically the fire people represent a community going into like New York City, for example, and they have their own niche of the area, kind of like Chinatown would be. Oh, so it does actually attempt something. It's not like Luca where it's like deliberately not nuanced. It does actually attempt to be, but it's just on the nose, maybe. Yeah, it's just basically on the nose. Basically, the fire people are kind of like living like a similar something like a Chinatown where they they don't really integrate with society. They're kind of cornered off in their own area. People don't really come visit them much. They like are kind of like, oh, let them do their own thing. They're not part of our society. Um, but then obviously the other cultures like meet them, they start mixing and then things become happy. It's like, Hey, you're just people like us. I really like Luca, but for example, like turning red, which is a movie I didn't love as much as most people. I think that was a very creative way to tackle culture and tackle stuff like that. But whereas elemental felt so on the, on the nose, what do you give to turning red? So he probably gave like a three out of five. No, 
No, I give it uh, 3.5. I did actually like Turner Road. Okay, that's I actually liked Turner But I don't know. That, that's all I got to say. And I thought I thought the voice acting was like really, really good. I really liked the voice acting. And I thought that they all, they all were really great. And for the most part, other than like Catherine Hahn, I think it was her name, Catherine O'Hara, no, Catherine O'Hara, who was in Shit's Creek. She's like the only recognizable name I saw on the cast list for like the voice actors. Um, but all the, all the people did great. And I, I did really like the animation. I thought it was a cool, fun little world, kind of like how Strange World was from Disney last year. It was just kind of an interesting, cool little world they built in the animation. looked cool. But uh, it was just a little service level for me, which is fine. Like I said, it, I liked it. Just wasn't blown away by it and wasn't really going to rave about it like any other Pixar movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I, I'm, I'm right there with you with a three out of five. Um, I don't know. This movie, Pixar has such a long line of just giving us like such fantastic animated movies with you know such important themes and stuff like that. And I, I think Elemental does tackle subjects that need to be tackled, especially for a younger audience, especially for people maybe who feel ostracized or, or you know, uh, feeling comfortable with whoever in your life. Um, my problem with this movie was they tried to tackle too much um, and nothing necessarily felt as fleshed out as it could have been. And when you compare that to like an inside out who's tackling one subject of growing up and moving, it just feels very bare bones and basic because inside out does such a good job at fleshing out this one crucial life aspect of this little girl's life. Whereas elemental they try to kind of throw a lot of crap in her direction, you know, not being able to be with this guy because they're of different elements, not wanting to take over her father's uh, shop because, you know, that's not the life path she wants to take. Uh, so I think this movie tackles a lot of important themes that especially for a younger audience is going to be, you know, vitally important in their upbringing. But I don't think any of those themes were necessarily as fleshed out as I would have liked them to be. Um, and one thing that's kind of like, and this isn't like a story related issue. I just, Pixar needs to do something different with their animation. Like, I think all of their movies have the exact same animation style and none of them are doing anything to necessarily stand out among each other. And especially coming off of a movie like cross spider verse, that's absolutely pushing the boundaries of animation like half the budget of a lot of them as well yeah exactly it's like it's not blowing me away the way you know maybe past pixar films or ghibli films or even the spider-verse films are and i feel like when you have pixar arguably the biggest animation studio in the world they need to do more with the animation this felt very I don't want to say easy, obviously, because I don't know how much it takes to animate a fucking movie, but it just felt comparatively to yeah. yeah it just felt very run of the mill. It feels like they didn't really stretch their animation talent, um, and that's kind of how I feel about this entire movie. It didn't feel like they were doing anything over the top. They weren't stretching any of their you know uh, abilities or resources. They just kind of felt like they were putting out another Pixar movie just to put out another Pixar movie, but. Again, with that said, I enjoyed my time with this movie. I think there were a lot of cute moments. I think there's a lot of important themes here that that definitely need to be in film. Unfortunately, I just think they just gave it to us in a very bare minimum type way. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the animation, but 
now that I'm thinking about your comment more, like at first I was like, oh, I don't know if I agree. But then when I think about it more, like Strange World from Disney Studios last year had some crazy cool animation that's yeah. different than anything they've done. Suzume from this year from uh, it wasn't Ghibli, but you know, Suzume was incredible animation that was way different than stuff we've seen recently. And then across Spider-Verse, it seems like every other animation studio right now is really pushing the boundaries of animation. Whereas Pixar is playing a little more safe, which is fine. But the fact that their budgets are so crazy high, like it just doesn't really make that much yeah, sense. Yeah. But yeah, that that's the one thing it's like, what are we comparing it to? I don't know. It's like comparing it to a Marvel movie. Marvel movies have these massive budgets and it feels like they're very, infrequently pushing the boundaries of what they could do with like cgi and that's how i feel about pixar like pixar has such a massive budget i'm pretty sure elemental's budget was like twice the size of across the spider versus budget yeah um, surprised. i think it was if you're, yeah, it if is you're crazy when you mention like across the spider versus budget because it is so low compared to like every other yeah. um, not even just and, pixar just animation in general yeah is lower. and it's like yeah. how the fuck do you just do that how, yeah. how does a different studio have double the budget and still make it look shit how, like, how is someone like, it doesn't matter happen. yeah it doesn't it's but no, no 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 i i want to make it clear i don't think elemental looked shit at all i think sorry. it looked no good. i was talking about the flash sorry oh okay sorry. okay okay i was gonna say like elemental yeah. did not look bad by any means it just felt very standard like it felt like they weren't doing anything to push the boundaries of animation um, yeah and i'm happy you touched and, on the one part about the stories too how there's just so many because i forgot like so yeah there's there's a relationship aspect of reaching across cultures yeah but then there's also the internal culture of you know her following her father's footsteps and taking his job and i feel like yeah. those two things alone could have been like separate movies like yeah uh, about easily. A, yeah, about someone growing up in a strict culture of where it's like you are going to do exactly what the family does do yeah. the family business but you don't she doesn't really want it she wants to be an artist she wants to do glass work instead that yeah. could have been a separate thing but that had to be mixed and in then, with this romance and and then on top of that you're adding in this whole subplot of them like fixing this dam protecting the right. fire that, nation that, or the fire i didn't world. care for that at all that was so weird yeah didn't care for that at all so there was just so much going on that i don't know it kind of removed any depth from all of these stories like and this movie could have been a trilogy for all i can um that's how much was going on but overall i, I went with a three out of five i'm not going to sit here and tell you i didn't enjoy my time some of the emotional aspects hit um tyler also went with a three out of five um so that will uh, that will conclude our elemental chatter. Uh, moving on, the the final movie of our review before we get into our Black Mirror season six uh, uh, a review is the Blackening, which is the new horror comedy. Um, I again, I think only Tyler and I saw this. Yes, yeah, it's not out here. I have uh, no idea when it comes out. Naturally, <laughs> yes. what? Who? Uh, what distribution company did that? What was it? I have absolutely no idea. No idea. Because um, I've not heard. Oh, it comes out in August here, late August. All right, that's not too far actually. But all right, let's get let's run through the blackening. Um, we'll keep this again spoiler free. I don't think there's a lot to talk about here. Um, I went with a three and a half out of five. I had a blast with this movie. In the theaters, I was losing my mind. The, some of the comedy just absolutely hits. They absolutely nail it home with the comedy. I wrote in my letterbox review that this is a horror comedy that leans 90% towards the comedy. The horror, it's not scary. There's no part of this movie that had me frightened. It's a very, uh, the horror aspect at least, is it's just very basic slasher, I guess we'll call it, um, type movie. Um, but the comedy, the comedy is what really sold it for me. This movie was absolutely hysterical. 
Uh, I'll go as far as saying this was one of my favorite theater experiences of the year. My theater was having a blast with this thing. They were losing their minds. It made my experience so much better because they're like, I, I love just watching people love a movie. So being in that theater, I saw it by myself. Um, so I was surrounded by like just a bunch of group of friends that were watching it together. And they were just losing it. They were like narrating the film. They were like, don't go in that room. Turn the fucking lights on. And I was just, I was crying. Uh, but no, overall, I think this is a very, very effective horror comedy. Again, super more of a comedy than a horror. So the horror aspects did kind of let me down. I expected more from that part of the film, especially because this movie was marketed as being, I don't want to say frightening, but the trailer was like, it made it seem like this was going to be a relatively more frightening film well, than what we got. The trailer, they did the classic like crowd reaction shots where it's like when they show a scary moments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They did like that thing. I remember seeing that. So I was like fully prepared to like, you know, have some ah, scary jump scare stuff. But no, none of the horror like, I don't know. The horror, it, it's not resonating with me. There was no horrific moment in this movie where I was like, wow, that's going to sit with me for a long time the way that one scene in Hereditary sat with me or whatever. Uh, but yeah, overall, I had a blast this movie. I really enjoyed it. The comedy hits. The acting was stellar. The, the chemistry between our entire uh, cast of characters was, was really solid. It really felt like this was just a group of friends that decided to make a movie together. Uh, the one knock outside of the lack of horror that, this, that I have for this movie would be the ending. We're not going to spoil anything, but there is like a final reveal, a little twist uh, that I just, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm smart and that like, I saw it coming from a mile away, but I feel like this movie didn't do a good enough job at hiding it. Um, so it didn't really come as a shock. Um, and I was hoping throughout the movie that something different would happen. Um, but yeah, I, the, the ending, just everything was resolved a little too fast. I didn't think the movie was going to end where it ended. I really thought there was going to be like another 20 minutes of more. Um, so it just felt like very abrupt. Tyler, I don't know if you feel the same, but those are my overall thoughts. I go with a three and a half out of five. I had a blast watching this thing and I'll, I'll probably watch it again when it comes out. Yeah. I echo everything you're saying. Uh, I, I thought this was so funny. And the ending I do think is the weakest part. And then also the horror elements are definitely lacking. So other than that, like I thought this could have been almost like a four star movie. Like for me, like I really enjoyed it that much. Yeah. Well, my theater was also packed and having a great time too. So the movie follows like this group of friends celebrating, like or remembering Juneteenth kind of going on a, and it's been like 10 years since they did it for the last time. So it's kind of a bunch of friends that aren't really super close, all of them necessarily, but like they're, they've been friends for a long time. They kind of get back together for a weekend at this uh, like Airbnb basically. So today is Juneteenth when you're listening to this. So if you don't have a day, if you have today off work or day off school, um, educate yourself on what the day is about and read all about it. Um, but the blackening is so funny, dude. Like, they're, like normally I don't love obviously like crowd interaction. I know Seth is the same way, but this movie was very similar to when we did our patron watch along of from dust till dawn, where it's like, it's such a ridiculous, it like, it's, right. It's such a ridiculous, fun, crazy, bizarre movie that like, it's kind of fun to have interaction. Like there's one moment when like, there's a door creaked that goes outside in the dark woods and like, you hear some noise out there and like a character slowly moving up to the door and they just go up to it and just shut it and lock it. And then my crowd just immediately just like erupted in applause. I was like, ah, oh, that's hilarious. Like, yeah, there's, just, there's like, uh, I remember like barbarian for me was one. Mm hmm. 
Well, I actually quite, I quite like that because Barbarians, the film is so ridiculous that you actually quite like hearing people's reactions. So yeah. I don't mind. I think with this, I'd probably like it, to be fair. Yeah, no, it, it, the crowd interaction definitely worked here. And I, I mentioned this to George before everyone else joined the call, but I, I can't remember a single joke from the movie, but I know from the beginning to end, I was just laughing hilariously, which is Cry, kind of like, bro. which is kind of a credit to the comedic writing, because I don't think this is a movie that's like a one-liner joke or punchline or stuff like that. It's just the genuine comedic influence of this entire script is just so well done. Um, is it directed by anyone that? <sighs> yeah, it's directed by Tim Story, and he's done the Fantastic oh, the Four fantasy? movies. <laughs> yeah, and Ride Along. Ride Along. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Bob shop. Ride along sucks. <laughs> um, but Wait, I, 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 think <laughs> I agree. Right movie. I agree. Though. I agree. Uh, so the, I there's not much horror elements here, but I love the, the I guess the, what the element of horror was that kicked off this movie into motion. Like the board game of the blackening was so unique and cool, and like the way that's like this board game that's like you got to play this game, and if you don't, you're gonna die it was just so unique and different, like in terms of like what the actual board game was, which was so jarring when you first see it, you're like, holy shit, this is intense. Um, and then, yeah, like uh, there were some fun moments, like in terms of like the chases and like the, the kills and stuff. But ultimately this is a comedy and I recommend anyone to see it. I, when I posted my mo like all the movies coming out in June, TikTok, I said like my hype level for each mine was a one out of 10 for this just because of the trailers. I thought it just looked pretty stupid and I didn't think it looked that engaging or exciting. And then I saw it and I'm like, this is one of my favorite ex experiences of the year. It's so funny. Um, the entire cast was great. The chemistry. I just loved each of their individual characters and like the lore they built around each other. I thought it was so funny. Um, but yeah, fun movie. I think I, I think everyone will have a blast with it. Um, definitely took me by surprise. Nothing really else to say. I wish the ending was a little more creative and different. And I wish there maybe was a little more scary elements to it, just mainly since they did market it so heavily as a scary movie. Like we said, they literally had the, the classic like paranormal activity trailers <laughs> where it's like they have like a, a moment and they show the crowd like, Oh, freak out like of scares. But, um, <laughs> so I was buckled in for a little more scary than I ended up getting, but yeah, man, like I just can't get over like how funny this script was just like everything about it. Just so many jokes are just, just so good in this and there's so many great callbacks and, I just really thought this cast had so much great chemistry and I don't really recognize any of them from anything. I feel like there's a couple that I kind of like was like, you're a familiar face. I don't really know where you're from, but really for the most part, these are kind of no name actors to me that I just don't know of, but they were all great. They had the, uh, they had the guy from white man can't jump. Didn't they? Yeah. They oh, did. that, okay. White that's definitely who the, I think. And, 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 walls, I think. Yeah. The and, new one. Yeah. The new one. Yeah. The main, the main the old one's Wesley Snipes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it could have been another guy. Yeah. But that's Wells. Okay. That makes sense though. Cause he was the only guy who I was like, I know you from something, but what was it? But yeah, honestly, like if you're, if you have the day off today, go watch the movie. Like you're gonna have a fun time with it. Yeah, it really, it really was a blast. And again, I think my theater experience elevated it, but I'm right there with Tyler. I would have liked a little more horror, and I would have liked the ending to be a little more, uh, I don't even know, a, a little more just fireworks or whatever. Not, not. It just felt like very abrupt, and it just felt like it kind of came out of nowhere and twisted and really sell me. Uh, but overall, like Tyler said, Mm -hmm. Yeah, go the post credits stuff. Like my theater was erupting in laughter for that because basically, really? like, yeah, like so, like this doesn't spoil anything. But basically, yeah. like the movie resolves and like they're like, all right, well, do we like call the cops now? Like hell <laughs> no, we're not, call, we're not calling. No, it's not hysterically laughing, bro. The scene. Oh my god, this is also this isn't a spoiler, but at one point in the movie, like a cop returns to come back and they like drop all their weapons and the cops like 
come with me. And they like slowly look at the cop and pick up all their weapons again. And my feet are lost their mind with that. Yeah, that was so good. And uh, I'm glad. Yeah, okay, never mind. It was going to spoil something. But yeah, like the cop was well done. And the jokes surrounding yeah. the cop were so funny. And yeah. they were funny. A lot of the jokes hit. Yeah, a lot of the jokes were very hit. It was a funny movie. I definitely recommend this one for a lot of people. Um, all right, our final review of the day. I'm cutting in. Y'all, y'all haven't had me for a while, so I'm just cutting in. Sorry. Um, sorry to cut you off, George. But a um, couple notes. Didn't mention it during uh, Elemental's review. Lowest opening for a Pixar movie ever, $29 million. Kind of crazy. Kind of sure. uh, fun little tidbit. Also, have but you guys also, seen- that's it's coming out the week that The Flash comes out. Yeah. The Blackening comes yeah. out. Extraction There's two. so many movies. There's so much, and I can't imagine Elemental is a top This is one movie. of the craziest summers for big blockbusters i know we've talked about it a million times but it is yeah. crazy this this week's um openings also like asteroid city premiered in a lot of places but yeah. um another point have you guys seen the uh the flash like putting the baby back in the microwave like video <laughs> in uh, uh going People around are reversing the, that funniest, video. the funniest video i've ever seen it's getting just... overused but it's still hilarious i i love it so also, many tweets. People are just like, "Can someone please explain the context around this one yeah. clip?" And I'm like, "Bro, it's backwards." <laughs> yeah. Another another point. Ezra Miller just delivering any line about being a good person. I audibly laughed out loud. Yeah. Um, that that, was that just funny. made me laugh. But sorry to cut you off. I just feel like if I'm not, no, I good. don't have a ton of time, so I gotta get in my little tidbits when I can. That was funny. Um, all right, let's move on to our Black Mirror season six review again. I'm pretty sure it's just myself and Tyler. Uh, killed the entire season. Hey, shout out um, to both of you. Shout out to both of you this week. Yeah, we, we, yeah, honestly, we grinded this week. I, I was supposed that. to. I, I'm jealous. My, my double feature on Thursday was supposed to be a triple feature. I was supposed to see uh, Asteroid City. It was one screening at 10 45 p.m. in the city, uh, but I didn't go. Too late for that. Yeah. I got. I could not do a and triple it, feature. And that, was, that was like your first ever double feature. You, there's no need to dive right into a triple feature. You got to yeah, use yourself. Yeah, second, 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 second double okay, feature. Second, second. Second. First one was Scream 6 on 65. Go to double feature. Another side point. People are already blaming James Gunn for The Flash, and it's hilarious. Because yeah, people are obviously. Not a James Gunn movie. Not a Clearly, people movie. don't watch the to... Real Talk podcast. No, you've mentioned that silly. 700 times. Yeah, silly, silly people. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Black Mirror Season 6. Tyler, how do you want to do this? Do you want to just review the whole season, or do you want to just quickly go episode by episode? Yeah, I was going to ask you how you want to do it. I guess let's just go episode by episode and give our just brief yeah. high-level thoughts. I know Seth's probably going to watch it like this week or sometime soon, and um, yeah, I'm a lot of people haven't got to it yet because not everyone's able we to will, grind through it all. But we'll yeah. go high-level every episode, just starting with Jonah's Awful and run our way through DD79. Yeah. And we'll keep it spoiler-free. I know... Uh, internally among ourselves we've talked about doing a real quick ranking all the black mirror episodes so maybe we'll put that off until cam and uh and seth watch season six um, um that's good thing cam's got like 30 episodes oh have you not yeah, seen anything I, I think i said this uh, same with secession i will watch these shows like if i'm not watching them in the moment they've already had like six seasons whatever I will watch these shows when this becomes my full-time job. I'm sorry. I cannot, or I get a, or I get That's an fair. online job. I cannot right now. I'm sorry. That's fair. That's fair. But you'll rewatch all of star Wars twice a year. Dude, I cut halfway through. I didn't even do that. But, and I, I will, I do want to get back on that, but I did cut like halfway through. All sorry. right. Let's, uh, let's keep it going. Cause we're pushing the two hour mark. Joan is awful. Was the first uh, episode of the season that stars Annie Murphy, Salma Hayek, 
Uh, we also have Himesh Patel and Michael Sarah making small cameos. Um, quick, quick non-spoiler thoughts. I think this is a really solid opening. Um, I think this does a good job at bringing us back into the uh, meta techno world of Black Mirror, giving us like these futuristic concepts that are eerily realistic. Obviously, something like this is just wildly unrealistic, but like kind of realistic, if that makes sense. Um, but I think this was a really solid episode. It was, uh, I think Annie Murphy is an absolute delight. I think her rapport with Salma Hayek works really well back and forth. Um, and the ending of this episode absolutely sold it for me. I really liked the resolution, mainly because I didn't see it coming. Um, and obviously we'll keep it spoiler free, but I really did not see uh, the ending of this episode being the ending on how they kind of resolve this entire issue. But overall, I think this was a really solid introduction into uh, another season of Black Mirror. And maybe it was just because uh, season five left such a bad taste in my mouth that I thought very highly of Jonah's Awful. I think it was a very... I don't think Black Mirror was doing anything in Jonah's Awful to like resonate with me or really push the boundaries of what they've done in the past from like a white Christmas to a USS Callister. But in terms of series premieres, episode one, I think this is just a really good job at bringing us back into uh, the world of Black Mirror and, and kind of these absurd, uh, you know, futuristic concepts that they've been giving us in the past. Yeah, I, I echo that. I, I gave it a four star. I really liked it. Um, the first like 15, 20 minutes, I was pretty un, unsure about. I was like, I don't really know if I'm going to like where this is going. There's a lot of comedic elements that sometimes Black Mirror is able to pull off. Sometimes they aren't. But then once it really starts to get going around like the, you know, a third way mark into it, I completely flipped the switch and I absolutely started loving this. The ending, like you said, is so great and the way they tie it in, I didn't see it coming. There, this one of those, like a lot of Black Mirror episodes where the more you think about it, the more you can point out like plot holes and like issues with it. But definitely the way that it transpires is nice, like eerily creepy. Um, basically like the the dystopian elements they're tackling in this one are both like terms and conditions and what those can do to you as well as artificial intelligence, which I get like, so artificial intelligence for writers and in the writing world and in the movie world is something that's relatively new ish in terms of what the general public talking about it. I'm sure actual writers like Charlie Booker Brooker and other writers have known this is coming a lot longer than the discourse of the public has been. But I was still more like, this is so timely because there's a whole movie about like, or episode about like AI, like writing scripts and stuff like that. And I was like, dang, it's like, perfectly got this come out now and it's just like the huge buzz topic of everything even though you know they were probably producing this like a year ago if not more so nice to kind of jump the gun on that which black mirror has done time and time again where they kind of can see where technology is going before the rest of the world catches up to it but annie murphy's great selma high is great loved michael sarah and this i wish we got more of him um but yeah this is such a great way to start the season off i, I really enjoy this one four stars like i said um and Maybe I'm overrating it just because, like George said, season five was such a bad taste in my mouth as well. It just wasn't a good season at all. But this is a, just a banger way to start off. A great, fun, interesting dystopian look at the world with uh, quite a cool resolution at the end. Yeah, yeah. Su super lighthearted compared to like past Black Mirror episodes when they tackle things like AI and, and that shit. But solid, solid introduction to the season. I go with a four out of five. It's my second ranked of the season. Uh, it's my third rank of the season, so it falls right in the middle. Um, but overall, it's a solid season. Episode two was titled Lock Henry. Um, and this was a young couple 
travel to a sleepy Scottish town to start work on a genteel nature documentary, but find themselves drawn into a juicy local story involving shocking events of the past. Um, this is my number two rank of the season. Could have very well been my number one. Um, this was just the perfect time for Black Mirror to dive into true crime, coming off of Dahmer uh, and Apple TV Plus's Blackbird, um, as well as just this, you know, uh, emergence of, of true crime obsession over the last couple of years. I think this was just a really, uh, I don't want to say culturally relevant episode, but it was just a very relevant episode given people's obsession with true crime as of late. And I thought this episode was fantastic. Um, I think the entire episode had just like this, this very haunting presence to it. Um, this very uh, eerie aura around it, which just it made for a very intriguing uh, 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 watch. You know, I just never wanted to remove my eyes from the screen because I was so interested where this episode was going. It does such a good job at like keeping me on my toes, not knowing what is, you know, the, the history with the specific crime at hand, as well as where it's going to go. Um, and I think the episode does a really good job at subverting our expectations towards the end with exactly how it plays out, which I really fucking love. Um, so I went with a four out of five on Locke Henry. It is my second rank of the season. Really, really enjoyed uh, the tackling of true crime. And I think this was as good a episode in true crime as Black Mirror could have given us. Yep, again, agree. I'm I, I give this a three point five star, but a seven point four out of ten, so right lower. This is a like right under a four star. This is my middle of the road episode for the season in terms of this is my number three. Um, th- it definitely keeps you guessing the entire time. There's like the only episode in the season I think that I can think of that had like actors and actresses that I haven't really seen and stuff before. So a lot more no name ish crew, but I thought they all did very good. Uh, um, Stewart, the lead girl was oh. in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, I haven't seen that yet, so that makes sense why I wouldn't uh, recognize that. But Stewart freaking mvp i love Stuart. he played podrick in game of thrones yeah he was so Great funny character. and like he's one of those Hysterical. characters that like once he joins in and like you his comedy starts coming you're like this could easily be a character that gets overdone but it, it didn't i i was like i need more of him he was so awesome um this is the scariest and creepiest black mirror has gotten since playtest um yep. it keeps you guessing the whole time it's definitely eerie throughout i didn't love the finality of one person in the in the episode which wish they could have done that a little better but the ending definitely subverted my expectations where i thought i knew it was going and it kind of went there ish but was different than i was initially expecting so that was well done um but yeah i want to i god i want to go into spoilers on this episode because of riley's letterboxd uh review of it because what she says is well you gonna say spoilers now no, no, I'm, I'm, we're not going to go into it, but Riley's, oh, Riley's letterbox, she just put one quick sentence, and that's exactly what I thought after the episode. I don't know if that's I know what you're talking about, so you need to text me on the side that letterbox review so I can look at it. But, can um, I, can yeah. I check Riley's letterbox review, George, or is that no, a spoiler? No, 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 it, that, It's a spoiler. Oh, that is the spoiler. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's not a spoiler just because you don't really know. Tyler, I just texted it to you. Um, but yeah, that I, I swear to God, that's exactly what I thought after the episode ended. I was like, okay, like this. I dude, I was like, which Riley on movie TikTok am I like not aware of? Riley, my freaking oh, girlfriend. Your Riley, Riley. your was, girlfriend. Like, Riley. Riley. <laughs> I was like, who are you talking about? Your girlfriend. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I I saw her review and I was like, that's exactly what I 
fucking thought, man. Mm-hmm. I was like, and that's what like elevated the show for me. The idea that that is true. And obviously I'm not going to say what that is, but if that is true, then I think that just adds so many layers to this episode that I just really fucking love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this, this doesn't spoil anything. So basically what the episode's about is, um, the, the, basically the two people you see in the poster, the guy and the girl, they're, they're dating and they're both film students and they're going to go make a documentary for their film class to try and try and debut. And once they go to his hometown, they figure out this true crime story of Locke Henry, or she gets aware of what this town had to go through. So instead of what they were going to film a movie on, they decide, okay, let's make a true crime documentary on this. And, um, the ending reminded me a lot of blowout in terms of like, they make this documentary, but then kind of like at what cost, you know, they're like, you know, like John Travolta then a blowout where he's like, uh, he's like looking at his work and he's like, this is a masterpiece. But he's like, God damn, like I, it wasn't worth it in the end, you know? And like, that definitely leaves a very open ended because you still won't see where yeah. it's going, but it's yeah, definitely the scariest and creepiest an episode of black mirror has been throughout since uh play test. Yeah, for sure. It's play test. No doubt. Definitely super haunting, super eerie. And just a really, really solid entry into true crime. Episode three, uh, a lot of people have been lauding this as the best episode. I'm on that train as well. It's called mm-hmm. Beyond the Sea. It stars Aaron Paul and an alternative 1969. Two men on a perilous high-tech mission uh, wrestle with the consequences of an unimaginable tragedy. Um, I won't even say what the tragedy is because I feel like that's a spoiler, so mm-hmm. we won't really necessarily go into it. Uh, but yeah, this is my favorite episode of the season. I think it runs a bit long. But I do think that this is one of the darker endings Black Mirror has given us. And I, I it just made me feel so gross and uncomfortable. Uh, like, I, I had in my letterbox review, this episode felt like watching a car crash in slow motion. Like, you know where this episode's going. You know exactly how it's going to play out. It's not an episode that's going to, like, give you massive twists and turns and keep you guessing. You know once one thing happens in this show and like it starts to unravel, you know where it's going to go. Um, but it's like, it's such good writing, such good acting that you just can't help but be locked into this episode. And I absolutely love that. Um, again, I don't think it needed to be as long as it was. I think there are a lot of moments that just kind of dragged on. They just kind of reiterate a lot of points that didn't need to be reiterated with uh, a couple of the relationships on screen, but Overall, I, I love when Black Mirror dips into science fiction. I, I think they do a very, very good job at it. Um, and this was the, the not the standout episode of the season for me, but one of the standouts because I rate this and Locke Henry uh, a four out of five. Uh, but I edged this one slightly higher. Yeah, this is my favorite episode of the season. It was so good. So basically, like, kind of what's going on here is Aaron Paul and Josh Hartnett are working on a space station, and they're kind of doing, like, a five-year-long mission or something. But the way it works is they kind of aren't working 24-7, so they kind of do the tasks they need to do. Then they can go in this deep sleep, and they have a body double on Earth that they get to inhabit, live with their families. It looks exactly like them. So they can kind of live on Earth while also being a part of the mission up top. And, yeah, like, it you see where it's going the whole time. It is like a crash, like your letterbox review is perfect, like a car crash in slow motion, but the fine, the finality of it subverted my expectations because I kind of thought I knew where I was going in terms of what ends up happening at the very end, but it kind of goes a little different from what I was expecting, which I loved. It is so dark. This is one of the darkest endings in black mirror history. And I thought they all were just so great. in this Aaron Paul, Josh Hartnett, Kate Mara, it's one of the best acted episodes of black mirror, but that's again, not a surprise. We have three, like staple actors or in tons of stuff leading your episode. But the tension just kept building slowly throughout. And like the, 
this whole season in general, like the whole 60s, 70s vibe of every episode was so good. Like it just looks so nice and refreshing and all the visuals and just the way every episode was shot was so good. But man, this, this one's just a haunting dark episode. My favorite of the season, the tension throughout just keeps building to a point where you're like, holy shit, like this is about to boil over and your eyes are just glued to the screen. And yeah, man, it's just a depressing ass episode, but it just, it just went, it just went perfectly like Aaron Paul is so damn good dude like Josh Hartnett and Kmart yeah. were great too but Aaron Paul is so damn good yeah they they, they were both amazing um and yeah it's, it, it's the ending the ending is what just kind of threw this overboard for me because it was like like you kind of expected something to happen and you kind of expected either that was going to happen or I again I don't want to say what because it'll spoil what actually happened um, but yeah, the, the ending is one of the darker ones that, that Black Mirror has given us. And I think it just, it's, it's such a, it's such a nice, just like cherry on top of an overall very tense episode that it kept building to something. And if nothing had happened, I would have been a little tight because it just, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's like watching a like intense scene in a movie where the music keeps building and then there's like the big needle drop and then shit happens. That's what this episode felt like for me. Um, but we'll continue on, uh, Beyond the Sea, both mine and Tyler's number one rank of the season. Um, episode four called Maisie Day. This one stars Zazie Beats. Um, a troubled starlet is dogged by invasive paparazzi while dealing with the consequences of a hit and run incident. Um, this is my lowest rated of the season. Um, and I give it a two and a half. So I, it's not like I you know, thoroughly dislike it to the level that I dislike the episodes of season five. This just felt very non black mirror if that makes sense like they're not pushing anything uh you know thematically deep there's no you know crazy you know futuristic tie-in this just felt like a very cutthroat episode they wanted this season to be five episodes so they just threw in a very reserved very uh you know I don't want to say non-intriguing, but just just they just threw an episode in there just to get to the number five on the season, and, and this is that episode for me. Um, but my again, and I don't, and maybe it's just a problem for me, but like it just it doesn't feel like a Black Mirror episode. It, it really didn't, um, and I don't know if you agree with that, Tyler, but that's how I came away uh, from Maisie Day, where it just felt very. Black Mirror wasn't stretching anything making this episode. They weren't pushing the boundaries of anything the way they typically do in like a in like a Be Right Back or a San Junipero. Um, it just felt very bland and uninspired, I'll say. Yeah, so this episode's basically a, kind of like a take on the movie Nightcrawler, but instead of for news, it's just paparazzi in general. It's like it's so it's like a nightcrawler for paparazzi with a kind of a fantasy twist. And Twilight fans, like like Riley's a big Twilight fan in terms of it being like a guilty pleasure. Um, there's so many Twilight references, like the Muse song, Needle Drop is right from Twilight 1. Obviously, a lot of stuff that happened, even the setting, like in the woods and the, the it reminded me a lot of like the, uh, the Redwoods in Washington. There's just so much in this that's just oozing with Twilight influence. Um, but yeah, the thing is, like, I thought it was a middle of the road episode, like you for 2.5 star, but I gave it a three star barely just because that final shot was so dark and grim. And I was like, holy shit. Like, because the whole time you're kind of thinking that what, like, basically that the person's learning, that they're kind of changing, that they're kind of becoming different. And then the final shot just kind of throws a wrench in that plan. And it was just yep. so dark. But the episode itself was aggressively average. Like, 
I thought all the episodes in the season looked really good. I thought this one looked the worst, like because of what happens with the fantasy elements. Like it's it, clearly yeah. they don't have the budget to be able to make that happen in a in a good looking way. Um, but yeah, it was a cool analysis on paparazzi culture. Wasn't anything terrible. Um, this is the worst episode of the season. For, or no, technically the next one is, but I know that's a hot take for me. But the season in general, I didn't think really had any bad episodes. So that's why I genuinely, truly believe this is one of the best seasons of Black Mirror ever had. Because season two, we had Waldo moment. Awful. Season three, we had like Metalhead and other stuff that weren't great. Season four, we had uh, the, or season five, we had the Miley Cyrus one. Like every season has one that's kind of just like a dog shit episode. Didn't really think any of them were dog shit in this season. So it was just a very good season. None of them were amazing, but as a collective season, it's just very good. But this is my second lowest. Um, the next one, the last one we're going to talk about is my lowest. But again, that one is a really high average letterbox. So it's just, that's my take, not everyone's. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I don't think, if anything, I think Maisie Day was the only miss of the season, but also I wouldn't call it two and a half out of five a miss. Like I have Black Mirror episodes rated one or one and a half. So Black Mirror has definitely missed harder than Maisie Day. So I kind of agree with you overall consistency. I think season six definitely delivered. My biggest problem with season six is that there's just nothing that's going to resonate with me. There's nothing that's stuck with me the way like Be Right Back, White Christmas, San Junipero, Black Museum have stuck with me. Those have, you know, I, I've not stopped thinking about those episodes since I watched them. Like I've already forgotten about season six of Black Mirror, not in a bad way, but it's just not sticking with me the way I would have liked it to, which is why I still don't know if I would hold it above seasons one, two, three, or four, even though those seasons do have dog shit episodes. They also have, in my humble opinion, some of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. Um, but we'll move on to the final episode, um, Demon 79. Um, this was a pretty, and I don't know, I, obviously I think you, you just said that this is your lowest rate of the season. Um, this is my second lowest of the season, but I still went with a three and a half out of five because this one felt like a risk. Um, this one felt like Black Mirror was trying to go somewhere maybe they never have. Um, it was a... Can I just say something? Yeah. You know the Maisie Day you just spoke about? Yeah. That's officially the lowest rated Black Mirror episode on Letterboxd. I mean, so I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I know, that's like a 2.3. Yeah, it's, it's very yeah, low. It's like crazy low. Jeez. I, I, I think it's the worst. Like that yeah. I'm intrigued to I'm going to yeah, I, I don't. I, I definitely don't think it's the worst Black Mirror episode by any means. I think Waldo moments worse. Miley Cyrus is worse. Striking Vipers is worse. I definitely yeah, have they were terrible. Yeah, those were not that good. But Demon Seventy Nine will will wrap up um, our Black Mirror talk with this final episode. Um, I don't even know how to describe this. It was a hard comedy slasher thriller science fiction fucking thing um but this one just felt like they swung for the fences they took a risk that i've um I, no that I, I was gonna say that i've never seen black mirror take but black mirror is literally known for taking risks with episodes but this felt like the biggest risk take of this season and i i think it worked um i i really enjoyed all the horror elements i think a lot of this episode um it's more of just like a respect thing like i can respect black mirror kind of changing around their vibe for this episode and and between this and lock henry i think they're going for something a little different that they necessarily haven't gone for in the past and that's maybe giving us more reserved uh narratives and things that i don't want to say we can relate to more but things that maybe we are more inclined to watch nowadays and that's 
slashers, horror movies, comedies, true crime documentaries, or shit like that. Uh, Tyler, this is your lowest rate of the season, so I'm pretty interested to see what you have to say. Yeah, and this could have been the consequence of just Riley and I. We watched all five back to back to back to back to back and just binged it one night. And this one stylistically was a huge breath of fresh air. Like you said, it's kind of a different territory than Black Mirror's ever gone in. But it was just a boring slog for us. Like I just never was engaged in this. So basically she has to the the whole thing that sets in emotion is that the she basically gets kind of cursed ish where it's like basically she has to the apocalypse is gonna happen if she doesn't kill three people. And that's the whole plot of the this episode. And like it stylistically was an awesome episode very unique i just found it quite boring and the comedy just didn't quite hit for me and again like beyond the seas kind of the consensus like best quote-unquote best episode of the season in terms of people loving it the most but demon 79 by far is the biggest cult following like people were telling me like on reddit like apparently like reddit's obsessed with this episode and a lot of people love it It as a high letterbox average like people are loving demon 79 so i can see why people would because it is so stylistically different and this season in general was very good at just blending a lot of different styles. Like, cause even Maisie Day, like we talked about, was quite stylistically different than Black Mirror's ever done. So for me, it was just quite boring and I just didn't care for it from the story perspective. But from a filmmaking perspective, there was a lot to appreciate here. So yeah, it's not like I don't have any ill will towards it. I just give it a two star because I just couldn't find myself engaged in the plot and it didn't suck me in. Like even Maisie Day was able to get me intrigued into where it was going. And that kind of does come as a consequence too of this being like a 74 minutes. So it's almost more of a movie movie length as opposed to an episode length. Whereas like, you know, Maisie day was like a 42 minute episode or something. So I think this one was just stretched a little too long for me and my taste Whereas beyond the sea was longer than this, but I thought it, the tension was building sufficiently enough to keep me engaged. But yeah, I can totally see why people love this one. It's not for me. I, I think Seth will like this one. I'm going to be interested to see where you land on it, but, but yeah, I just, I just found it a little too boring for my taste. Yeah. I completely understand that and i it's definitely kind of been all over the place if you look at the letterbox graph it's like very right there between like a two and a four and a half people love it people hate it but i go with a three and a half kind of like a little bit right down the middle mainly because i could just respect black mirror for kind of taking a risk um but that's that's we'll we'll wrap up our black mirror thoughts there that, that'll end our review portion of the episode which has been running for like two and a half hours now or something um but if you guys are liking this episode, obviously this is going to be one of our longer episodes of the year. I can't imagine there's another uh, another week this year where we have this many new releases that you know a lot of us have watched. Um, just don't forget to give us a follow, give us a subscribe on YouTube, rate us on on Apple, rate us on Spotify. You know, we we grind, we watch all these movies, we review all these movies um, because of your support. So any anything you guys do to to help us out, obviously that means the world to us. Um, also specifically um if you have not yet already checked out the realtalkpodcast.com store uh the barbenheimer shirt kind of goes crazy it's absolutely a devious fit as well as the leap of faith shirt uh shirt sweatshirt whatever those two are my personal favorite they're they're pretty awesome so get the barbenheimer before july 21st yeah, on, on July 21st, I better see a lot of Twitter pics out there with you guys wearing your Bob Bernheimer shirts before the theater. Um, we're going to skip over trailers because there's nothing that really dropped that I, uh, I think. Damn it, I just, w- during all your talk. No, is that what you were doing? <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I'm so sorry. I didn't all watch right. them before. That's Elio fine. looks fine. Chicken run. Go chicken run. Completely go agree. chicken run. I agree. Yeah, Elio, chicken Elio run. looks fine. Run. Go chicken run. Sure. Yes. Um, hey, 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 it's trailer time. I've been gone. Also- we're also going to power through news uh the biggest news of the bunch is to dumb so we'll get to that in a bit but we have a bunch of major delays and i think that's the most important stuff today 
Avengers Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars have been delayed to May 2026 and May 2027, respectively. Fantastic Four, delayed to May 2nd, 2025. Thunderbolts, delayed to December 20th, 2024. Captain America, Brave New World, delayed to August 26, 2024. Avatar 1, Avatar 3, 4, and 5, delayed to 2025, 2029, and 2031, respectively. So I will be 34 when the final Avatar. Ridiculous. At this point, just don't make these movies. Damn, it's kind of crazy that the Real Talk podcast will be the biggest movie TV podcast in history in May 2020 or 2031. 2031. Uh, Yeah, absolutely absurd. Uh, And Blade, uh, naturally, has been delayed to February 14, 2025. So that'll be a lovely Valentine's Day movie. I think that one... Like is put on its own because this movie is not going to. Happen. It's not me. It's not. It's not, it's not being. I want Blade so bad, Bro. but like the production, like just behind it, is awful. It's apparently, going to and it's such horse shit. Who who got cast in it? Mia Goth. Mia Goth got Mia Goth. cast in it. Okay, that's like the only news that's been like something's happening. Yeah, like or like like every other bit of news it's is ridiculous. like is like uh, Mahershala Ali hates the script. Uh, director's <laughs> gone, changes, de- yeah, de- yeah. delayed. Everyone's Terrible. pissed off on on set. <laughs> delayed, just not gonna happen. Fake uh, movie. Oh no, I'm losing my Celsius. <laughs> it will never happen. And then uh, the final bit of uh, decently big news: Netflix's to dumb happened yesterday, which I did not even know about. Um, we joked about it in our group chat. I feel like we talked about to dumb like one of our first it's real talk episodes. Right now. Is it happening right now? Yeah, I think we're about to get a Rebel Moon trailer, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, um, we just got the Rebel Moon so poster. Sick. So I yeah, just we got, re- well, we got the Rebel Moon teaser yesterday. Did we? Which it was Shit. like the behind, then, yeah, it was like the, it was like the behind the scenes Rebel Moon teaser. I don't know if in the oh behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I think we're getting a t- trailer sometime this week, if yeah, not well, today. That's but what I maybe not. Back. I don't know. Well, that, it's that six. It's next, it's six months away, so maybe not. Yeah, but to them, I, I don't think anything massive dropped. The biggest things: Extraction Three is in the works. We obviously discussed that already. Squid Game Season Two. We got a teaser trailer. Um, we don't have to go into depth on any of these news. I don't think we needed a season two, but obviously the success of season one, they're going to make a season two. They're also um, doing an American version and they're doing and the a reality games, uh, show, the reality show, yeah, which yeah, I did apply right. for, got denied. Kind of <laughs> bullshit. I would totally imagine, do a Squid Games reality show. Are you well, kidding me? That we do for our podcast. Also, if you were on that show. Oh my God. Also, just, just to bring it up because we're on the subject mr beast squid game 100 gonna be better than the reality tv show yeah. and it came out like three months after squid games was popular yeah, was so like yeah. this is nothing anymore there's no way it's popular i just want to say um, one thing about squid game is like it's there's so many spin-offs of it now like the american version and the real live action version and stuff and like i feel like it's one of those that are similar to Stranger Things in terms of the online community become a little unsuffer- insufferable about the Squid Game, but I genuinely really liked that show. In the first season, I really, really liked it. So yeah, I'm not going to let... Awesome. Like, Except like the it. ending. Yeah. Except the like very last bit of it where it like teased season two. Right, and we, we, we don't need to go into that, but like I'm just, I I'm just saying... Were, like, I thought you were just talking about it. Go no, I really like the show. No, yeah, I just want to say, like, I feel like it's been co-opted now because there's so much happening in the Squid Game universe that, like, people are starting to say, like, oh, it's, like, overrated and suck. Where I genuinely really like season one, and I'm excited to it's see season two. Season but, uh, yeah. What's the main actor's name? Lee? Is it, like, Lee Jung-jae? That's, Lee Jung-jae. Is that is that what his name is? I, yeah, and yeah. it's it's good that, like, it's, these are things that, like, get people into Hollywood, right? Like, obviously, um, 
maybe that's not the end goal for every actor, but I feel like Hollywood's kind of like the end goal. This dude's now in The Acolyte, which is a new Star Wars show. You know, hate franchises all you want. That's where you get your money. So it, it's awesome that that show can just like get people in because it's so popular. Move on at that point. You know, it was a great one season of television. I don't think it needs a second. It also certainly doesn't need an American version, especially because if you're too like weird to watch uh, subtitles, there's a dubbed version. You can do either. Like it's, it's just, I don't understand that, but I am very happy with season one. But we knew after the success of the first one and the amount of people memed the first one, there was going to be a season two and they were going to milk the fuck out of this. Um, moving on with Tadam, Outer Banks season four teaser. Not much of a teaser, just a clip of our characters dancing, blah, blah, blah. Um, my favorite bit of news was coming out of Avatar The Last Airbender. We got a teaser trailer, which again, all you saw was the the symbols of the four nations. Uh, that's all you got. And then you got a first image of our four main characters. Yeah, and, got a couple pictures. Yeah, we got a couple pictures. Um, I like the pictures. I didn't like the look of Zuko, but I like the look of uh, Sokka, Katara, and Aang. Zuko was the one that just felt, I don't know. He, he when, when you start Avatar, he is a menacing presence. He is the villain. Um, and he just looked a little halloween costumey for me the problem is you can animate a kid to look cooler than they are i don't yeah. know if you can live action a kid to look cooler than he is you That's know fair. like do, do you see what i'm saying like kids yeah. are kind of you can Super. animate them and you're like okay this is like a person who's 14 whatever but if you cast a 14 year old you're like holy shit 14 year olds are, are small <laughs> they're, they're not they're not intimidating yeah yeah exactly but yeah that that was my only gripe with it but I've been preaching this live action uh, universe that they're making for a long time. I'm pretty excited. Um, There's already a live action universe, George. Relax. We don't talk about that. (laughs) Um, And then the final bit from Tadam, we just talked about it, was the behind the scenes from Rebel Moon. Um, I I think I'm the only one excited for it on this podcast. Maybe maybe Cam is excited for it. I'm excited. I just, uh, I think Zack Snyder, I don't, I, I'm just I'm, not like a huge like DCEU guy, but I'm excited right. for this. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I, I'm excited. Brand new IP, obviously a proposed Star Wars story that got rejected. So I'm excited to see what, uh, what Zack Snyder had in mind for that. Um, and then last bit of news. Uh, sorry, we're plowing through the news. Our, our reviews obviously took up a majority of this. What? Just keep going. I'll see if you mention it. Or uh, I was going to say, uh, last bit of news, Andy Muschietti is confirmed to be directing Batman Brave and the Bold, which has been uh, rumored over the last couple of weeks, but it has officially been confirmed, which I think is great. I think it's fine. Someone that just, knows these characters, someone who has a good working relationship with James Gunn. Um, I think this is a fine choice. Just uh, on um, uh, Tadam, the live action One Piece got a trailer as well. Oh, so yes. I- that's, Sorry. that's pretty big for a lot of anime fans. I have never yeah, seen One Piece. Uh, One Piece. Yeah, One yeah. Piece is massive. Um, yeah. Will they do it justice? Probably not, but I did see a lot of positive opinions on the trailer. It's just a teaser trailer. Um, a yeah. bit more than it's a bit more than uh, Avatar, but I did see some uh, some positive opinions on it online. So hopefully, yeah. it's good. We'll see. That was one of the bigger uh, releases. My fault for excluding it. Um, but that wraps up news. I know we flew through that, but again, we had six reviews to do, including an entire season of television. So that took up like two hours. Um, so let's quickly fly through what we've been watching this week, even though we kind of touched on it with all of our, our new releases. Um, when did last week start? 
Um, I'll go first. Fuck it. Why not? Bad hosting, but I have it open in front of me. Uh, I watched Overlord. Dope movie. Gory. Gruesome. Starring Wyatt Russell. Uh, no, I've been meaning to watch that, actually. I need to watch that. Very good. I gave it a three and a half. I thought it was a super effective horror movie that kind of weaved its way into a, a war story very, very well. Um, I watched Sunshine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Danny Boyle. Oh, Sunshine. Danny Boyle. That so yeah. quickly became one of my favorites um, ever. I put it in my letterbox list of my favorite movies ever. I fucking loved this thing. Um, I've never it seen was, it. Please watch it. it. I really like Danny Boyle as well, so I should watch it. It was yeah. so goddamn good. It, it, it was just so ambitious. It, it was a place I've just very rarely seen science fiction be taken. Um, and it wasn't just a massive scale science fiction film. There was yeah. so much uh, layered themes of morality and conflict and, and internal struggle. Um, the score, I've been listening to it on repeat for the last week. Um, but it so quickly became one of my favorite films ever. Um, and then I watched all the new releases, and then I watched Pitch Black, the the Chronicles of Riddick, the first one. Um, it was fine, whatever. Uh, Seth, what have you been watching? Not much this week because obviously I've been really busy. I haven't. T- I-, I finally finished the MCU. Hell yeah! Uh, remind favorite me to franchise? never do an M- I'm never doing an MCU ranking on TikTok again. It was the comments were <laughs> horrible to me. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, dude, it's it's any big IP, you're screwed. They yeah, were, no matter what, no matter what, dude. Um, I have I have far from home in my top ten. It like you like yeah, yeah, you just you can't win. Yeah, I, it was um, Chang Chi and Multiverse of Madness were my last two. Uh, thought Multiverse of Madness was Wait. okay. Oh, I thought you meant I didn't last do it two in order. I was like, yeah, I was no, like, like last in. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. Yeah, last Seth, Seth uh, don't don't forget you have to watch all the TV shows. Ah, we lost. Is Seth, Seth gone or am I gone? No, no, okay, Seth cool. is gone. Seth all is right, gone. Great. All right, uh, uh, Cam, do you want to tell us what you've been talking about? Uh, yeah, you've been watching this. Week? Yeah, because I'm I'm going to go over two I'm weeks because I was oh. oh 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 <laughs> Seth Seth, we He's lost. Great podcasting. Great yeah. podcast. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry to the podcast listeners. My internet is being so bad today. Apologies. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, Multiverse of Madness and Shang-Chi, both okay. Shang-Chi better. Um, I like I like yeah, Shang-Chi was good. Best action in the MCU with Wind Soldier, maybe. That's probably what I would say, anyway. Yeah, uh, and then I watched The Post, which was a Spielberg film I haven't watched, which was Don't perfectly fine. Yeah, super bland. Yeah, and that's about it. Not much this week. Cam, what uh, you watching? Yeah, I may. I don't know if you've seen me like leaning over. It's because I'm checking our monitor. So just like backstory, this time I, I was blacked out two weeks ago. Th- this time Emma is struggling um, on Father's Day, nonetheless. SMH, but um, yeah. So she, she, it's twelve thirty in the afternoon. She hasn't gotten out of bed except to go to the bathroom. I don't think she's yacked officially, but she she thought about <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, hasn't got out of bed. Twelve thirty. Bailey's asleep right now, but. He, seems he woke up so we'll see if i have to go get him. is your flight but, today or like when do you guys leave no so we're staying until thursday oh, but okay. doing a lot of family stuff yeah flying uh, hungover like that would be the worst thing would ever. be terrible yeah um so last two weeks i've caught up on a good a couple uh, uh 2023 releases watch knock at the cabin enjoyed it watch shooting stars enjoyed it what did you give knock at the cabin uh knock at the cabin 71 out of 100 thir- uh three and a half out of five 
Um, Shooting Stars is the LeBron James story, a story I knew fairly well, but I, I, I did enjoy it. Oh, um, 64 out of 100, a 3 out of 5. Um, then I watched okay. X-Men Days of Future Past because I was like thinking oh, about good. that movie. And I'm like, that's like such a good movie. It's so, so damn, damn good. It's still great. Um, real bummer that Apocalypse comes out after it. Um, <laughs> Days of Future Past is awesome, though. 91 out of 100. Obviously, Transformers, you guys, we talked about last week. White Men Can't Jump. Caught up on that. 59 out of 100. Three out of five stars. Whatever. I enjoyed it enough. Uh, awesome movie watch long. Was that Monday, Tyler? Yep. Monday, oh, yeah, yeah, that was so awesome. Blind what did you guys spotting. even watch for that? We watched oh. Blind with David Diggs. Um, was incredible. It was like a, it was like, uh, it's very impactful, very emotional movie. Uh, it's, it, I forget who the other guy is. I don't know. Uh, great movie. Go watch it if you haven't. I'm sure Tyler will also say it's very good. Um, Renfield, I watched. Just, I didn't hate it, but I didn't give a shit about anything going on. Um, and also Aquafina, like not that bad. I feel like I feel like she could have been so much worse. No, For, like what you get with Aquafina, she was pretty tame. I feel like. No, I hated it. Really? Okay. Me and That's Seth fine. are kindred souls on this. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 I got you, buddy. You got. You may have like not. You also, Didn't I know you mentioned you. it. You mentioned it many, many times. So I feel like maybe I went into it and expected a lot worse. Like she could have been doing like the scuttlebutt the entire movie. Um, that's kind of what I expected. Uh, I watched a beautiful mind this week. Cause I have, I have basically like what Tyler has behind him, a poster and I I've had it for three years and I cut, got through like 90 movies and just left 10, never, never watched them for some reason. So beautiful mind is on there. I watched it. I really enjoyed it actually. Uh, I think it struggles to get going, but I, I, I enjoyed it. The flash we talked about, um, I don't have, I have a ton more to say on that, but I missed my opportunity. So that's fine. Extraction two, we talked about, I watched extraction again and uh, also only the brave, which I really enjoyed. And that is our real talk, a uh, real quick review of the week. We'll see if I'm able you to watched join a lot this week. Coming. No, so that's last two weeks. So still uh, probably not as much as Tyler, but I did want to mention the whole I've been watching. Tyler. What'd you watch? Oh, as well as I never got to mention Prehistoric Planet debuted on Apple TV Plus like three weeks ago at this point. Awesome, yeah. as always. Prehistoric Planet is great. So it is yeah. great. I am uh I'm four movies deep into the Mission Impossible franchise. I've liked them all. With those movies, you i I'm just at the point where I just need to stop Googling. Like cause that, Mission Impossible 2 basically starts with them climbing, like free free climbing a massive cliffside in Australia. And I Google, I'm like, oh, did he actually do that or is that fake? He actually did it. And then now we're at the point where he's like climbing the Burj Khalifa. I'm like, why am I, I was Googling why, that? Why yeah, why am I <laughs> yeah, even yeah. Googling yeah. this? Like he did everything he's doing in these movies. So I'm just gonna stop with the Google. I'm just assume he did everything because he probably did. Um I've liked them all. I think the first four, all of them have had a villain problem, but everyone's kind of been saying in my letterbox reviews that like the latest ones are where it really starts to get going with good villains. Um I know a lot of people love Henry Cavill, especially in like the sixth one or something so excited to see those um i've, I've liked them all like i've said um watched uh been still crushing some love death and robots i watched wild strawberries seth did you see was it seth oh, really? one has seen that but yeah wild strawberries very good movie yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely need to rewatch to fully appreciate it but i gave it a four star it's it's not my favorite book when i give it a four yeah, yeah okay it's great. um blind spotting like cam said is just so incredible i saw it for the first time in college when it was in theaters and we rewatched it. It's written by David Diggs and the other guy who's the lead actor. Sorry to just keep throwing shade at you and not saying your name, but David Diggs is a household name, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, his name is Rafael Casal, but they both wrote it together. It's kind of like their version of Goodwill Hunting-ish in terms of 
this is kind of their first foray into Hollywood. This is the first real project after uh, Hamilton for David Diggs. So um, they wrote it together, starred in it, and it was great. Um, uh, watched Psycho 2. I'm starting to work through all the Psycho movies, and it was actually a, quite a good sequel. Like, I really enjoyed it. They kept it fresh, and it was a very, it, it was a very warranted sequel that's way different than the original. And, like, so it's just, it just felt fresh. It was like what you should do in a legacy sequel that comes out 20 years later. Um, finally finished the... M. Night Shyamalan superhero trilogy with Glass and definitely liked it the least out of the three between Split, Unbreakable, and now Glass. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah. What, what did you rate it? I give it like a three and a half. I gave it a three star. I just, I don't know. It, okay, yeah, yeah. It was, it was basically almost like a Split 2 more than like a Glass movie. Like it was a lot more it, about... It's a proper mess. It, yeah. It's, it's very much a mess. It's just like... Mo- I, I, most M. Night movies are. <laughs> that's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. A, like the thing is like he wanted to do his own like little like comic book trilogy type thing and... I get it because he's not a comic book movie director in terms of he doesn't want this to be his whole career, but definitely the world he built would have benefited from being fleshed out in a couple more movies or something because Glass, they just pack in so much in that movie. Um, Let's see. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Everyone obviously was pissed off that I wrote it a, rated it a four star. But as I clearly said in my letterbox review, like I appreciate everything about the movie. I just don't love fans. Like I just didn't. I don't know. I just don't love Hulk the movie. high. I know everyone's so pissed in my letterbox review, but I literally just said like, it's not just this movie. It's just all adventure kind of movies like that. It's not really my thing. So I give it a four star. Um, it's wild. I have to justify a four. Yeah, it, it sucks, dude. Like everyone's so pissed in the, for that review. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. went right from watching that to American Psycho. First time rewatching that in a long time. Just so good. Just Christian Bale. I forgot just how freaking insane he looks in that movie. Uh, but the dialogue is just so good in that. Um, let's see what else. And then pretty much all the other stuff I watched was the, the new releases and we have only the Braves. So go ahead and watch that if, uh, for a real quick review coming out on Friday or something this week. So if you haven't seen it, watch only the brave. Um, and then I watched simulant finish it up this morning, which came out this year, but you know, it's a red flag to a movie when there's a cast with a lot of household names that no one's heard of. Cause it says Jordana Brewster who plays Mia in the fast and Furious franchise. It has Robbie Amell who is in a bunch of TV shows, Simu Liu, Sam Worthington, like a bunch of actors that are like people, people know, especially Sam Worthington and Simu Liu. But it was just a mess. It was like, it was like the movie, there was an episode of black mirror. Be right back, George, like where it's, or and Seth, where it's like about like, kind of like, losing someone and replacing them with the body double. And it's like, I feel like they watched that episode and they're like, Oh, let's build this into a movie. And it just didn't really work out. But, but yeah, that's uh, that's all for this week. All right. Well, that takes us to the final part of our episode. Um, we're approaching a three hour mark now. We have to two thirty right now. I don't, 2:30. It's a long episode. So if you stuck with us till the end, to the very end of this uh, episode, uh, we are going to do our draft now. Like I said, I don't even know what the title is draft. Um, movies that change your perspective on life, movies that make Wait, you think shit, about that's the episode draft. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I thought I could movie... like BS my way through if I had a couple of <laughs> shit. All right. Please hold. Or keep it's, going. It's, Just it's, explain. It's, uh, I don't even know how to explain. Just movies that give you a different outlook on life, movies that make you question your, your purpose in this world. Um, your future, shit like that. It's obviously going to be very up for interpretation, to, just depending on all of our, you know, previous uh, experiences. Blah blah blah. So, get right into it. The order of the draft is Tyler, Seth, George, and Cam. Perfect. Um, it right. was randomized. Tyler, Seth, George. So Cam, I just threw you at the end, if you don't mind. I didn't know if you would. Okay. So Tyler, what is your one-one in your? life movie draft is this like 
before we start, sorry. Is this like <laughs> life's purpose or like question reality? Because question reality. No, 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 not question reality. There's like your purpose in life, like movies okay. that make you question why you're on this planet, your future, you know, shit like that. All right, that. Google, come on through for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one to Google because you're going to get a lot of the question reality type stuff as opposed to question your yeah, purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I would be a fraud. I would be a nobody if i didn't pick this as my one one i would be letting Damn down it. everyone in the Damn army it. of about time so i gotta go about time as my first pick it's my favorite movie oh, yeah. it's deep to helps you appreciate every single day of your life in a very creative way gotta be my one one i would be letting everyone down yeah. if it wasn't i figured that would be your it was between that or something else i thought you would go with your one one seth i found this make you question your life really hard to do to be honest it's a tough I, one one of the first films I thought was It's a Wonderful Life. I'm going to go with that. Okay. That's a solid first pick. Uh, my first pick, it's just, I don't know. There, there's so many directions you can go. Um, I, I think I'm going to take in my one, one, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's on my list. Can you guys hear the wind or am I all right? You sound, no, you're you good. Sound you're good, good. Man. No, Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, my yeah, one, my first pick, and I was like terrified this was going to get picked, but apparently not. So maybe I'm just not thinking about this draft right. I'm going to go with After Sun. Um, is yeah, that a good I'm pick? I thought that's a good pick. Okay. I, I'm I think list, anything's yeah. a good pick, really. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. All right, then I'm going to go with uh, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Shut the no. fuck up. Stop, stop. stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, you my could, next pick will be fair. taught but me to take leaps could, of faith right? in life. Yeah, take leaps of faith in life. Yeah, but <laughs> official veto. Um, but I will go with the Truman Show. Yeah, uh, that that came up on Google. So that's a great pick. That was definitely. I would have taken that next, most likely. Honestly, um, my okay. next no, pick. Just one of my all-time favorite coming-of-age stories. A, a movie that just makes you literally question where you're going with your life what the future holds and that is greta gerwig's ladybird yeah good pull i think all of mine will be like coming of age stories for the most part yeah i feel like that's the best way to go maybe mm -hmm. seth uh not that i'm nothing <laughs> losing you again seth <laughs> this guy this guy <laughs> I guess we'll pause for a brief moment. Yeah. Emma is alive. Right. I'm eating cheese it's right now. Nice. Uh, That's great. I'm really, I'm really jealous of the cheese awesome. Well, we lost um, Seth. He's probably oh, going to rejoin. We lost Seth. Um, what, what do we think he was going to pick? I, Actually, I don't want to spoil any other people's picks, so we won't even ponder. What I, I think I heard him say silence. <clears throat> oh. Scorsese's silence. Yeah, that makes sense. It's on the top of his mind lately since he just watched it. Yeah. Give it to him and he can't change it <laughs> when he joins back. Watch it be like Silence of the Lambs instead or something. <laughs> we should just veto whatever he, he says. He says stall, but don't stall. Just give it to him and don't let yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> Big silence. Game over. Okay. He's, yeah. he's joining right now. I just admitted him back to the call, but uh, yeah. Get absolutely walloped. Yeah. All right. What's well, your guys' favorite like snack? Snack? Okay, goldfish. Yeah. Goldfish. Or, or pretzels. Goldfish or pretzels. Seth, you told us to stall. Right, and this well, is what we came up with. What's your pick? <laughs> uh, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, I, what is it? My pick, yeah. Yeah. Or did you guys like skip me? No, no, it's still your pick. We gave you silence. We th oh, is that what you said? 
Yeah, so I was going to say, okay, okay. I'm not from a, like, a religious background, but I think it poses some really interesting questions on life, and that is Scorsese's silence. Okay. I, like I, I knew I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, silence. Yeah, we, I was worried it might have been silence of the lambs, so good thing it was, we, we got it good. Um, <laughs> that would have been fucking crazy. <laughs> um, okay, I, I'll go with... Tyler. Um, I'll just run down my next two picks. Uh, well, actually, I have quite a few on here that are really high five out of five stars for me, but Boyhood is just a coming-of-age story that really speaks to me. Richard Linklater, the mm-hmm. goat of coming of age stories. And this one just really, really hits me yep. and uh, hit me at the right time in life too. And then the other one I'll go with is just, uh, I've drafted two 10 out of 10s for me so far. And I'll just go with another one, which is La La Land because me specifically, like you guys know, I keep myself insanely busy, like insanely busy. So I find myself questioning a lot. Like, am I wasting my wasting too much time? Like focused on like tasks and being productive and all that. And like not appreciating what, Am I giving up something else in life? So, you know, it's a La La Land always puts me into good perspective of like, am I really focusing my attention and time on somewhere I want to be? Or do I want to end it like me and Sebastian? We're not necessarily about a relationship, but just about life where you kind of look and be like, I achieved what I wanted in life, but, you know, kind of was it worth it? So that's those are my picks. And all three of my picks so far have been 10 out of 10s for me. I like that. Pick. I'm happy. I, I thought you were going to pick one thing that I'm happy you did it because I think I'm going to take it next, but we'll get to that soon. Seth, third pick. Uh, Dead Poet Society. Quick with it. Yep. Good movie. I my third like pick. An Tyler, where I thought you may have been going, I'm gonna take Bo Burnham's cool. Inside. Yeah, that was I wanted that one next, and that's also ten out of ten for me. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect pick. When you said another ten out of ten, I really thought that's where you were going. So yeah. I'm happy. But yeah, Bo Burnham's Inside. I I don't know that that just. Every single song hits so just relative to, to reality and I know what's been going on over the last couple of years. And every so often you could pull some uh, some personal, you know, things from the from the from uh, from what he's writing. So I love Bo Burnham's Inside. It's one of my favorite projects of this current decade, maybe top five right now. It's great. It's great. Cam uh, back, me, me. So number this probably should have been my first choice, but I again I was scrambling, so I got I'm, I'm glad it came back to me. Apparently, Tyler's never seen it, which is foolish, but I'm going to go with Soul, um, one of the best Pixar movies. Foolish. Of yeah, foolish. I, I learned that on Monday during the watch-along that Tyler's never seen it. That is um, crazy, actually. And then uh, next one, a coming-of-age movie that I absolutely adore. I don't think people love it as much as me, but I think most people say it's good, uh, is uh, uh, The Edge of 17. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't watch it like, when I was 17 or anything, but I do think if I did, it would probably be like my favorite movie ever. Uh, but I, I think it, I think it's fantastic and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's such a under talked about coming of age movie with one of my favorite scenes with Woody Harrelson basically saying, sorry, my dead dad card expires after a year or so. Yeah. It's so many in that, in that movie. It's just fantastic. Um, my fourth pick, um, I kind of figured this one would get back to me. I don't know if you guys treat it as highly as I do, um, but I'm going to go with Noah Baumbach's uh, Francis Ha. Um, I thought you were going to say that. I yeah, that's know. just like the most in New York City having no idea what you're doing with your life movie, and I feel like everyone between the age of 21 and 29 kind of relates to, to some some aspect of this movie in one way or another. Um, and I, I just think that's one of the most life-esque 
movies out there and obviously I'm, i live in new york so it's it's a uh, definitely hits close to home every so often with me yes sir i'll go with one of my favorite all-time films and that is one floor of the cuckoo's nest definitely must be paid for me definitely great movie yeah I like it my last two picks here um i'll go with movie that always makes me want to Go out, explore the world, experience new things, and that's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, love that movie so much. Ben Stiller, directed directorial debut maybe. I, I can't remember. But, um, yeah, love Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Final pick, I have a couple more I could choose from here, but I'm going to go with Chef because that movie is all about kind of yes. like wow. all about kind of leaving, leaving your life cool. behind or like taking a risk and like stop stopping doing what's kind of – putting food on the table necessarily, but you kind of hate your existence of doing it and instead taking a risk and doing something you love. Um, maybe I'll actually take that jump one day or maybe it'll just always be a movie I love and live vicariously through and be like, oh, that's awesome to quit your day job and do something you've always wanted to do. But, but yeah, chef. That's a great, great poll. That's a good pick. I forgot what the order is. Is it me again? <laughs> no, it's no. Seth. Seth's, <laughs> okay, final, cool. Seth's final pick. Great. Uh, my final pick is also going to be one of my favorite films and that is Spirited. Yeah. We lost him, but we know what he was saying. It's okay, we got it. We got it. We got it. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Great job, right. Matt. Now it's oh, my, oh fuck, it's me. Um I'm between a couple on my final. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go with a little recency. Um a, a movie that just won Best Picture. I'm gonna take everything everywhere all at once. Damn. Okay. Um I, like I don't know. Would you would you guys veto that pick? Because I feel like that pick just I don't think we're vetoing anything in this thing yeah, other than Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I might yeah. start using across the Spider-Verse now. <laughs> Cam's next draft, pick one into pick two across. across. Pick three beyond. <laughs> Hasn't came out yet, but I'm sure. And then pick four can be like the spider within that new short that they're coming up with. Uh, sorry. I'm just going to – is it me? Right. It is your final pick, yeah. my man. Final pick. George, I'm glad I got this. I'm shocked you let it slide. I'm going to go with nine days, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really just all about like, Fantastic. just like what, uh, like what humanity and like, oh, oh that. I, I, I do love, I do love it. Not as much as you. I don't think. I honestly uh, completely forgot about that movie. I'm yeah, upset I, 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 I would have taken that over Francis Ha and everything. Everywhere. I, I kind of thought you did. Um, but yeah, another one. Where are we on to another one that I just saw as I was like scrolling my list would be another round. Yeah, that would be a really good one. Good. Could have gotten two Wonkar or three Wonkar wise. Fallen Angels, In the Mood for Love, and Chunking Express. Um, Haven't seen them, but I'm sure you could. <laughs> they're so damn good. But all right, Tyler, about time. Boyhood, La La Land, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and Chef. Seth took It's a Wonderful Life, Silence, Dead Poet Society, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Spirited Away. Myself, George took Goodwill Hunting, Lady Bird. Bo Burnham's Inside, Francis Ha, and Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Cameron took After Sun, The Truman Show, Soul, Edge of Seventeen, and Nine Days. That will wrap up what has to be our longest Real Talk episode to date. If you stuck around for the full almost three hours, we fucking appreciate you. Uh, we love you for for. Uh, for grinding it out with us while we talk all of these movie reviews, all the news to dumb, our draft. Um, shout out uh, to all of our patrons, uh, particularly 
uh, our executive producers, Al Bodie, Alexander Kephart, Mac Wells, Remy Walker, Stephen Johnson, Seven Mod, Jeffy, AJ Quigley, Alexander Biscardi, Ben Legge, Ben Hansey, Brody Young, Callum Singh, Cody Whitney, Dakota Buckner, Dean Cotamanides, Dylan Chip, Ferdinando Ford, Jimmy O'Connor, Jordan Gag, Josh Hines, Luke G, Luke, Luke Deerhog, Marcellus, Nick Shirley, Relapse, Rocco One, Sean Morales, Tad and Bougie, Trey RZ, Will Kim, Eunice BBX, and Zach Graves. That wraps up episode 41 of the Real Talk Podcast. Thank you all for joining. And thank you all for your support.